This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, and alongside me is no one, as usual. Ricky and Dave are in VidCon in California, so I'm doing a solo podcast after a four-hour live stream. It was fun having everyone in there talking about the draft. My voice goes at any point. That's because I've been talking for four straight hours. But today is going to be a fun podcast. We're doing post-draft reaction. I have my NBA draft shirt on. I will say one thing. I kept seeing Luka Doncic. Maybe I saw a little bit of me in him. Let me know if you think I look like Luka. But if you're watching on YouTube, you see my bad shirt. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, any of the podcast servicing, welcome. Hopefully I can entertain you for the next couple minutes. Uh, it's probably going to be longer than a minute. Probably running towards an hour. But on this podcast today, we'll be talking about the best and worst picks. We'll be talking about DeAndre Ayton and the Suns draft. One of the best drafts I've seen in a while out of Ryan McDonough. I'm glad I was singing his praises before this draft. We're going to be talking about Luka Doncic to the Mavs, how he fits. We're going to be talking about Mo Bamba and the Magic. We're going to be talking about the Bulls because we're in Chicago. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with everyone's favorite subject. Everyone's enamored with this kid, Michael Porter Jr. Before we jump in, though, don't forget to check out mostvalopodcast.com to you know, really not miss out on anything we're posting. If you want to see articles, videos, full podcasts, head over to mostvalopodcast.com. Then, if you do want to help support us, check out patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to be on a podcast, you want monthly content that isn't allowed to everybody, go check out patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to maybe help upgrade the set, clearly uh, this locker is doing some some wonders here. Um, really sets the vibe. Uh, but if you do want to help us maybe upgrade the set, uh, that's where the Patreon money will go as well. And then finally, if you're listening on iTunes, please do not forget to rate us five stars over there. Maybe nice, write a nice little comment uh, over there, but we really appreciate it. it. Helps us grow. If you're not able to give us, uh, you know, if you're not able to donate through Patreon, you really like uh, what we're doing and you like supporting us. But let's jump into the NBA draft talk because I'm tired. I want to get through this, but I'm also excited and I'm amped because this was a crazy NBA draft. And I think the weirdest thing about the draft so far and and really watching it was I didn't see a lot of bad picks. So the worst picks are kind of going to be nitpicking, um, but. I consistently saw the pick, and maybe it's just because we did so many mocks, we kind of you know saw the layout, and I saw what was happening, and I was like, all right, I like that player, I like that fit. You, there weren't too many reaches. I mean, this, there wasn't no any Giorgios Papagiannis, um, where, where the Kings took him at 13. Um, there wasn't anything crazy. I mean, we kind of expected all these players to go where they went. The biggest thing was Michael Porter Jr. So let's talk about one of the best picks in this draft, and it's Michael Porter Jr. going to the Nuggets. Now, here's the thing. And I'll talk about this in the Bulls segment. I'll talk about this even in the MPJ segment itself. But to keep it brief, the Bulls had the book on the kid. They knew every injury. He wanted to go to the Bulls. He gave everything to the Bulls. First off, the doctors examined him. He gave him all his medical info. The agent gave him all his medical uh, info, according to Woj. And 13 teams passed on him. That is a major red flag right there for every team, even the Nuggets fans. Major red flag that there must be something crucially wrong with Michael Porter Jr. and his back if he is falling this low. However, the Nuggets had the ability to take this chance. We consistently talked about the Nuggets possibly trading back, possibly moving back, possibly taking that Kenneth Rui contract and moving it away. But instead of moving that Kenneth Rui contract, they got Michael Porter Jr. And this is a team that I believe is going to be a playoff team next year. Maybe Minnesota falls out because they're really not gelling right now. Cat hates Jimmy Butler and Cat hates Tibbs. Wiggins hates both of them and Wiggins and, and Jimmy Butler hates w- Wiggins and Cat. 
and, and this might be a team that just falls apart and crumbles. And the Nuggets, again, they were one game away from making the playoffs. They are so close, and if Michael Porter Jr. hits, they're a playoff team. If he doesn't, they're a playoff team. This team is good. They had the ability to take this risk, and it's kind of a blessing now looking back because they would have gotten smoked by the Warriors in the first round. We all know this. They would have gotten murdered by the Warriors. And instead of playing the Warriors, they get the 14th pick, and they get Michael Porter Jr., who I think is the the biggest steal of this draft because we look at him, and he's the number one player rated out of high school. And yes, his back is bad. We, we, we have to assume that. That that has to be the assumption if he fell all the way to 14. But this kid has the ability and has the ceiling of a superstar. Now, do I think it's you know for sure certain? No. And I think this lowers his floor massively. Um, I think him falling to 14 lowers his floor. He might not be a guy that plays this year. He might not be a guy that plays for a while. He might not be a guy that consistently plays uh, 70 games even. But if he's able to hit that potential, the biggest need for the Nuggets was three, a three. I mean, you have Wilson Chandler's contract coming up. They got rid of Danilo Gallinari. He sent him off to the Clippers. They needed a three. And Michael Porter Jr. might be the best three in this draft if he is healthy and his athleticism is able to rebound. But if he's not healthy, he's most likely a four. And taking Paul Millsap, who really works inside the arc and is really great defensively, and pairing that with a great shooter who can stretch the floor and possibly be a really dynamic stretch, uh, you know, a stretch four in the NBA, could be massive for the Nuggets. And, and having Jokic, having Jamal Murray, having Gary Harris, this could be the building of a super team, honestly, because I think Jamal Murray is, is a, a fantastic shooter. I think he's absolutely underrated. Nikola Jokic is one of the best centers in the league. And if Michael Porter Jr. hits his ceiling, then you have a big three right there in Denver. And Michael Porter Jr. is costing you less for a lot of years. You still have Jamal Murray locked up. And right now, the Nuggets are trying to free cap space to lock up Jokic long term. I mean, they can accept his player option and still keep him around this year. But the play, and David talk, I talked about this at the you know, uh, beginning of the season, was they might decline his option now so he costs less now instead of waiting one more year, the max going up. Because you can attack now, sign Jokic for the same amount of years. I mean, you're going to have him for one year less, but that's also going to be five cheaper years for Denver. Then you're finally going to have you know Paul Millsap's contract when it comes up. Denver was in the best spot to take Michael Porter Jr. If it fails, oh well, you're still a playoff team in my mind. If it hits, you have a future four or a future three that can be a star. I mean, th- there's no way to look at this and say the, nugget, the Nuggets lost. Because you can look at the Bulls and possibly saying, all right, this is a rebuilding team. It would be dangerous for us to take Michael Porter Jr. with his injury concerns. You can look at the Knicks and be like, all right, we need a star. But again, we are a building team. We can't miss out on this. And we have a guy in Kevin Knox who has a really high floor, um, a fairly low ceiling. He's going to be a project. It's going to take time. But he doesn't have that injury concern. The Nuggets have the ability to take that risk on Michael Porter Jr. and his injury concerns. And I think this was a fantastic pick for the Nuggets. I, I think this is, again, it's boomer bust. Michael Porter Jr., you should be worried about his back, but you can take the time to let him heal, make sure he's 100%, and then bring him in very slowly. And and he might not be a guy. He might be redshirted. We've talked about this before. Um, It's been mentioned before. He might be a guy that gets redshirted. But if he's able to come back from this injury, we're going to be looking back at this 2018 draft and be like, how did this kid fall this far, injury or not? Now, that might piss off Bulls fans, that might piss off Knicks fans, Sixers fans, etc., etc., Clippers fans, but with those teams, they're in different situations, maybe not the Clippers because they had two picks, but the Nuggets had the ability to take this risk because they already have 
their future kind of set up. They have Gary Harris, great too. They have Jamal Murray, who is a really dynamic shooter. They have Nicole Jokic, who is one of the best big men in the league. They have Paul Millsap, who's a veteran four. They have a fairly deep bench. They have Wilson Chandler. I think this team, again, was in the right position, and I love this pick for the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, again, if they are able to hit on this pick, the rich get richer, and this team turns from a playoff team to possibly a super team. And that's building through the draft right there. Love it from the Nuggets. Um, Next pick that I love, you knew this was coming. If if we're talking about Michael Porter Jr., if we're talking about my number one player before the start of the season, we got to talk about Dave's number one player from from the start of the season, and then ultimately my number one player going into this draft, and Luka Doncic. The Dallas Mavericks hit it out of the ballpark. We talk about Rick Carlisle. We talk about how great a coach he is. We're talking about Dirk Nowitzki, one of the best international players of all time. And now we look at Luka Doncic, who has the potential to be Maybe not the best international player of all time because Dirk's pretty damn good. Um, but and I'm talking, you know, guys that didn't play college um, in the U.S., not guys who were born overseas. Like Ben Simmons, again, he's from Australia, doesn't count. Uh, Hakeem doesn't count, played in college. Um, but uh, guys, strictly guys that were from you know an international team, Luca could be possibly the second best player international in an international history. And you have the best international player in history in Dirk to come over. And we saw how big of a star Dirk was. I had a Dirk jersey. I, I was a massive Dirk Nowitzki fan. Everyone wanted to shoot like Dirk. He was a big man, hit a ton of threes. He knows how to take his game from an international standpoint and bring it into the NBA, and he was massively successful in it. He's going to be able to teach Luka Doncic how to do that. And one thing with Rick Carlisle is his system works well with a lot of ball handlers. And you have Dennis Smith Jr., who was a fantastic rookie last year, massively athletic, and can handle the ball himself at your one, then at your two, you possibly have Wes Matthews, who is a really good three-point shooter, and, and he's, he's, a, he's a good fifth option. You know, he can play some decent defense. He's a guy that can shoot threes from the outside. He's a kip, typical NBA two. Then at your three for Luka Doncic, he can be that secondary ball handler, or he can even be that primary ball handler if you want to work Dennis Smith in off cuts, if you want to work him on back screens, because he's a guy that, with his athleticism, he's going to beat guys in isolation. He's going to beat guys especially one-on-one coming off screens. And if you're switching him where, you know, you're able to get him run around screens and you're able to get him onto a big man or, or a four and he's able to blow by him, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr.'s best assets is his athleticism and getting him out in space, which will be created by a ball handler by Luka, will be absolutely fantastic and beneficial. And, and even Luka himself, some people say, oh, he only shot 31% from three um, overseas. But you look at his shot and it's, it's what you want. It's, it, it's a textbook shot. From Luka Doncic, he has the form, he has the ability to hit from the outside. It's not consistent yet, but the kid's 19 years old. He's also one of the most accomplished players in European history. So I look at Luka Doncic, this was an absolute steal. And some people are like, all right, you gave up the 2019 pick, the first round, the Mavericks did, but also that's protected. And I I haven't gotten clarification on the protection yet, but I'm assuming it's top three, top five, top ten. If it's top ten, it's an absolute steal. Because you're not going to be giving up if your team sucks. You're not going to give up too much. And one thing the guys in the live stream brought up was, what if they go out and get a guy like Julius Randle? What if they go out and get a guy like Boogie Cousins and take that opportunity? Could you imagine Dennis Smith Jr., Wes Matthews, Luka Doncic, Harrison Barnes, and then Dirk Nowitzki? Or, you know, let's sub out Wes Matthews. Let's move Luka to the two. If we do sign uh, Boogie Cousins or Julius Randle, we put... DSJ at the one, Luke at the two, Harrison Barnes at the three, Dirk at the five, uh, Dirk at the four, and then uh, yeah, Barnes at the three, Dirk at the four, and then at the five you have Boogie or Julius Randall and play some small ball five. That's a 
disgusting lineup. And they have a fairly decent bench. JJ Barea is on that bench. Uh, Powell was pretty good off the bench last year. So this is a Dallas Mavericks team that if they hit in free agency, if they take a shot, another shot um, in Boogie Cousins and, and kind of offer him more money than the Pelicans can offer and kind of put the pressure on them to you know match it or at least you know be able to give him what he wants, they're able to give Boogie what he wants. And Boogie comes there. We know how dynamic Boogie can be. And you could be looking at a big three of Luka Doncic, uh, DSJ, and Boogie, and then you look at two guys and Dirk Nowitzki, who's a Hall of Famer, and Harrison Barnes, who's pretty damn good in his own right, and really make some noise and possibly take this team from the fifth team in the NBA draft all the way to the playoffs. So I look at this Luka trade, and I don't think you're missing out. I think I think this is exactly what the Mavericks needed. Love the pick for for the Mavericks. Next pick that I love, there's a couple. Uh, Lonnie Walker, I'll, I'll throw his name out there. So probably not going to be devoting my own segment to him, but Lonnie Walker for the Spurs, long, lengthy. He's going to be able to attack, and that's going to be something that's going to be consistent with him. And one thing that Kawhi was able to do early in his career was attack. Then he developed a shot. Luka Doncic, or not Luka Doncic, but Lonnie Walker might be able to do that and kind of maybe turn it into the next Kawhi Leonard. Not saying that's going to happen, but again, Kawhi Leonard was, I think, 14th pick. Um, in his draft, and Lonnie Walker at 18 has the length, has the quickness, has the athleticism. Maybe he doesn't have that still, you know, same defensive mentality as Kawhi Leonard. He doesn't, right, coming out of college, but he's a better scorer than Kawhi was coming out of college, and he does play the guard instead of, you know, the three. But this could be a very sneaky pick, and the fact that the Spurs got him at this spot is insane. And let's look at the luck they've had in the draft, having DeJounte Murray fall to them when they did. DeJounte Murray looks like one of the best defensive guards in the league and pairing that next to Lonnie Walker's length and athleticism and possibly being able to mold him into a great defender. You might be looking at one of the best young defensive backcourts in the NBA and, you know, pop, we're talking about him might retire and, you know, he, he, you know, his time might be coming up, especially with Kawhi possibly leaving, but he's going to have the ability for probably the next three years because I expect him to coach for at least three more years two or maybe even two because I think some people are saying 2020, um, but for the next two years to be able to take DeJounte Murray and take Lonnie Walker and possibly leave the Spurs with, you know, you had Tony Parker, you had Mono Ginobili, possibly the next two guys, next two great guards to take over uh, for San Antonio. Now, it's going to be dependent on what they do with Kawhi, but Pop, if he's able to bring back Kawhi, you're looking at a Spurs team that, in my mind, is upgraded because you're going to have DeJounte Murray, you're going to have Lonnie Walker, you're still going to have Tony Parker, you're still going to have Manu, most likely, you're still going to have Kawhi Leonard, you're still going to have Paul Gasol, you're still going to have LaMarcus Aldridge, and if those guys are able to mesh, I know it's going to be tough with Kawhi um, you know, being pissed off at Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, but if Kawhi's able to get over that and, and he realizes that he really doesn't have a, a way out and the Spurs aren't going to trade him, and he plays in to try to play up and make sure that he can get that contract because he obviously missed last year. Um, for the Lakers, if he wants to you know, get a max from the Lakers, he might want to buy in. And this Spurs team could be dangerous because they're long, they're quick, they're athletic, and they don't really, you know, the Warriors don't have an answer for LaMarcus Aldridge down low or Paul Gasol. So they have the length to guard Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. Now, I don't know if they have the skill yet, but they have the length and they have at least the um, kind of cookings of a team that could possibly pull an upset if Kawhi Leonard stays, I love the pick. I'm glad that they, that, that, you know, Lonnie Walker fell to him. Um, at least for San Antonio fans, because I know it's been bleak for you so far. Um, Josh Okogi, I love that fit for Minnesota at 20. Um, he has athleticism. He has the ability to shoot. I think at the two guard, that's gonna be a really nice spot for him to grow and develop. And I was looking at his tape and watching him a little bit more, and I think he could possibly become a guard. Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler's picked 30th overall. Okogi picked 20th. He worked with Tom Thibodeau. You know, gonna be drafted by. Tibbs, he has the ability to shoot from the outside. He's long, he's athletic, he's quick. 
and he you know might be a plus defender in the NBA, he might be a guy that, again, this might be Tibbs' next project, and he has the inner workings like Jimmy Butler did. And I really love Akogi's athleticism. I love his length, and I love his ability to shoot the ball and score. And and he's he proved that at Georgia Tech against ACC opponents. I think he will be able to do that, especially in a limited role um, in Minnesota, at least start. But if they get rid of Andrew Wiggins, that role grows bigger. Let's look at Jimmy Butler. You know, Derrick Rose goes out. His role gets bigger. Um, you know, there, there was moments and, and places for these guys to grow and, and really develop. And that's kind of, you know, there's cracks in that Minnesota team that might lead to a Kogi developing into a star of his own right. Love that a Kogi pick. He's a sleeper. Um, finally, last great picks that I do want to mention. There's three of them and they're three of my favorite players in this draft. And they all went to the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges and Ali Okobo. What a draft from fucking McDonough an absolutely perfect draft if you're a Phoenix Suns fan you got to back up point guard possibly a point guard that could be your you know your future point guard he's a great passer he's a great shooter pairing that with Devin Booker holy shit you look at DeAndre Ayton a guy that's gonna be a physical force down low at the five and you're still gonna be able to keep Dragon Bender out at the four and then you get one of the most ready three and D players in the draft right now and Mikhail Bridges, and pairing him with Josh Jackson is absolutely disgusting. These two might develop into the best defensive pair pair of wings in the NBA. They're that good. They have that ability. Josh Jackson was a fourth pick, and yes, he had a slow start at the season, but damn, did he not end the season on fire. He was great. He showed that athleticism. He showed that length. And then pairing that with Mikhail Bridges, who already has a shot, who doesn't need to develop a shot like Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson needs to find a more consistent shot. Mikael Bridges doesn't need to do that. Um, and looking at that lineup now, I think it's going to be Booker at the one. I think it's going to be Mikael Bridges at the two because he has that ability to shoot. At least Josh Jackson um, is probably going to play the three, Bender at the four, and Aiton at the five. And you have Okobo coming off as your, uh, as your as your scoring option at the point guard. I love that. You still have the mystery in Brandon Knight. Um, you still have TJ Warren, one of my favorite players um, in the NBA. I think someone asked in the live stream, who's your favorite player that, you know, isn't great, but you still hope for and have hope, bigger hopes for? It's TJ Warren. And the other guy you got to throw out there is Marquise Chris. If he's motivated, this guy's still 20 years old and has a ton of athleticism. So this Suns team, I'm a Suns fan. It's been really bleak since Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire left. It's been really bleak since you've gone to the uh, NBA title game in 1993 with Barkley. But things might be on the up and up. You have a young coach, not a young coach, but at least uh, a new coach in Igor that can bring new life to the Suns team. You have a great young GM in McDonough, and you have the talent on the floor to possibly become the next great team in the Western Conference. Because it's going to take a couple years for the Suns to become great. I know some people were like, oh, does this make them a playoff team? No, this team's still going to struggle next year because it's off to gel. But can they be a playoff team for the next, you know, 10 years if they're able to keep this core together? Hell yes. Love this draft from the Suns, and people might say, yeah, he gave up the 2021 pick. Um, I, I don't hate that deal for, for Philadelphia, but I do think the Suns made the right move getting Mikael Bridges because I absolutely love that starting five right now, especially if Bender can develop. But right now, Bender only has to be a fifth option because Mikael can shoot. Josh Jackson can score. We know Devin Booker can score. And Aiton's going to get his points. This guy's going to be a 16-10 guy coming into the NBA. Bender could be a fifth option and just shoot from the outside and really just hone and make sure he becomes a one-skill guy. He doesn't need to be the next great thing in Phoenix. That takes a ton of pressure off of him. And if he could develop that one skill and become elite on offense and become elite from shooting on the outside, that's going to give him spacing for Aiton to work. It's going to give spacing for Josh Jackson to drive. It's going to give spacing 
for Devin Booker to drive. It's going to give spacing to that pick and roll for Booker and Ayton. I am absolutely infatuated with this Suns draft, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the next topic. But let's jump to worst picks because we have to talk about them. We have to be negative. And again, I said this at the top. I don't think any team, you know, I wasn't shocked by anything. Um, Michael Porter Jr. falling was probably the biggest shock. But really, outside of that, I wasn't too upset with anything. Um, you know, I, people were asking me if I didn't like the Mobamba fit. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, Mobamba, with the position that they were put in, the Magic, where, you know, Trey Young's off the board, uh, Luca's off the board, MPJ's on the board, but you have questions about his health. The guy with the highest ceiling there was Mobamba. And yes, they have Vucevic, they have Jonathan Isaac, they have Aaron Gordon, they like length. But again, Bamba had the highest ceiling, and I think I would have been upset at the Magic if they didn't go with the guy with the highest ceiling, the guy with the, the you know, the best player on the board. Um, and that was Mobamba. So I, I like that pick for Mobamba. A little bit questionable just because of the players they have on roster right now. But again, that was the, the guy with the most potential. So I don't think that's in the worst picks. Um, but I know some people will probably ask about it. Um, but the first worst pick, I'm sorry to do this to you, Trey Young, but it's Trey Young because you might be on the wrong side of possibly the worst trade in history. Because if Luka Doncic hits like I think he might, and again, I'm not trying to bash on Trey Young, I'm not trying to say he's not going to be a great NBA pro, but. Trey Young is major boomer bust, and he's not as boomer bust as Michael Porter Jr. because he doesn't have the injury concerns, but Trey Young needs to be in the right system. He needs to be in a system that's going to be tailored around him, and he needs guys to take the pressure off him scoring-wise, and we look at Dennis Schroeder. He wants out. He wants to go, and they were, I think, close. I think there was a lot of people saying that you know they might move Schroeder this draft. They didn't end up doing it, but if he's gone, he was their number one scoring option last year. You become pretty much the number one score option because you're going to have the ball in your hand consistently. And John Collins can can score. Torian Prince showed that he can score last year. And you got Kevin Herter, who can be a nice shooter on the outside. And Amari Spellman could be a nice guy that develops and turn it in. And real quick, I do want to throw out there, Trey Young's comparison was Steph Curry. Kevin Herter's you know, comparison was like Clay Thompson. Amari Spellman's comparison and kind of build is similar to Draymond Green. You think the Hawks had an agenda? Building Warriors East. Um, now, some people were saying, you know, Trey Young is a star, he has star potential, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I mean, this, and I want to give Trey Young props. This guy was really not on my radar to start the season, and he got himself into, you know, technically a top third pick because the Hawks were picking three, um, but he's a top five pick in the NBA draft. I got to give him credit. I mean, a 6'2 guy with a 6'3 wingspan, I mean, and this is like, you know, Russell Wilson going in the first round. I mean, you, when you're not the size of a prototypical player, you're going to fall. So the fact that, you know, Trey Young went as high as he did, props to him, man. I mean, the, the guy played his ass off, 27 points, led the NCAA and, uh, you know, points and assists. He had a phenomenal season, but I just look at him, and I don't know if this is the right situation for him, and I don't know if this is the right pick for the Atlanta Hawks, because I think Luka Doncic would have been able to really build a winning culture in Atlanta. And, you know, again, Trey Young, very boomer bust here. And if he misses out, then... This pick is going to look horrible because if Luka Doncic turns into what I think he can, being the safest pick in this NBA draft, and you you know get a possible you know it depends on where this Mavericks pick uh, ends up, but if it's top ten protected and you know Dallas has a really nice season, they go fifth you know they finish you know, getting the playoffs as an eight seed this year if they're able to get Boogie Cousins, um, or if it's lottery protected and they finish you know fourteen, um, and then you get the pick next year and this Mavericks team is able to take the next step, you traded Trey Young. And, you know, a, a back half of the lottery, you know, behind the lottery pick for Luka Doncic, where Trey Young, if he's not able to really dominate, get a size, quickness, athleticism off, and he's just bodied up and, and put on by, you know, hard, physical, 
guards and he's not able to do what he you know, does best, he's out of the league. Then you trade Luka Doncic for, you know, a 20th pick. So this is going to look horrible if Trey Young misses out. It's a lot of pressure for this kid. I'm not saying he can't handle it, but I, I, I did not like the fit, especially with Luka on the board. Next pick, Kevin Knox. This is nitpicking because a ton of Knicks fans were excited. We're happy that they got Kevin Knox. A lot of you know Knicks fans were coming to our mock draft saying they like Kevin Knox. And I'm not going to bash it. If you, if you guys like Kevin Knox, then be excited about it. Um, I think this kid has a high ceiling. Some people are saying his max ceiling is Paul George, and I wouldn't disagree with that. He's got length. He's got the ability to shoot. He's a great rise-up shooter already, but he's not consistent. And I think the one thing that might hold him back is the lack of his defensive awareness, and I don't think he's going to be a great ball handler. I don't think he's going to be next point forward. I think he's just going to be a guy that might be a scorer, a slasher, um, maybe kind of like Tobias Harris. And even then, I don't know if he's going to be a Toby. I don't think he's going to hit Toby level. I think I think Toby's a really underrated player in the NBA. Um, and and with guys on the board that were still left, like Michael Porter Jr. or Shea Gilgis, um, I, my, my, my pick for them was Wendell Carter. Obviously, he was off the board. So this, this is why it's nitpicking is because I thought the best fit for them was Wendell Carter Jr. He wasn't available. So you went with Kevin Knox. But even then, I like the Bridges better. I like Miles and McHale better for your team. And they were on the board. So Kevin Knox, I don't know if it was the right player. Maybe he's going to thrive. And, and may, if you believe he's going to hit that potential, the Knicks are, then it's not going to be a bad pick. But if I was drafting for the Knicks, I would have gone McHale. I would have gone Miles. I might have even gone Porter Jr., just because he does have that potential. Some people might say, well, that's going to you know mess with key P because they think my MPJ is going to be a four. But then again, if you go and draft a three, you have Mikael Bridges who's going to be a starter for the next 10 years in the NBA. You're going to go out and get Miles Bridges, who I think could be a leader on any NBA team and might have the ability to turn into Paul Pierce. So I, I think that Kevin Knox, really risky pick. If it pays off, Knicks are going to look like geniuses. If they miss out, they might miss out bad because of what Miles, Mikael, and MPJ turn into. We're almost done. We're almost out of the camera. I have one more for you, and it's Jerome Robinson of the Clippers. Not saying this kid can't be great. This kid could be the next Steph Curry. Um, I, I look at him, 6'5", long wingspan, um, might turn into a good uh, uh, defender, and if he does, he's already a great scorer. And being you know, a, a two on that Clipper team, you know, paired with Shea Gilders-Alexander, who they just got, you know, paired with Danilo Gallinari, paired with uh, Tobias Harris, paired with DeAndre Jordan, if they're able to keep him, and, and they do keep him, um, you know, I think Jerome Robinson has the ability to turn into a stud. I'm not going to doubt a Jerry West draft pick, but you had the opportunity to take MPJ, and if MPJ pans out and Jerome Robinson is just okay, you had two shots at MPJ, and you passed it up. Not saying it's going to be like Steph Curry, um, where you got Ricky Rubio, and you know, you're, this isn't going to be like Minnesota, where you got Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn, and Steph Curry was there, you took two point guards. Um, again, you have the, you had the ability twice to take Michael Porter Jr. And if you miss out twice and Shea Gill just bombs or Jerome Robinson bombs, then you're going to look stupid. Now, again, I understand if you're concerned about his health, but you had the ability twice to take on MPJ, and that kind of gives you the ability to take a risk like MPJ because of his ceiling. So I, I think it's something in the end where if Jerome Robinson pans out, which I think he can because I think he's, he's got the skill sets to be an NBA pro, then it's not going to be that bad, bad of a pick. But if MPJ turns into what we think he can be to his next level, a 6'11", you know, wing that can shoot the ball like he can, this is going to look like a bad pick. So I'm going to use this one because I think Shea Gilgis is, is more of a safer pick than Jerome Robinson. And a lot of people were like, who the hell is this? Like when in, in our live stream, some people were like, who the hell is Jerome Robinson? And there was a Clipper guy when ESPN drafted him just saying, what the hell? I defended the pick on the live stream, but I think I just got to throw this in there 
and, and be on the right side of history because if MPJ turns into what I think he can, then this Jerome Robinson pick is going to look bad. Let me know what you think are the best and worst picks from the 2018 NBA draft. But let's move into what I think was the best draft, the team that had the best draft in the 2018 NBA draft. I talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but that is the Phoenix Suns. Number one pick, they went with DeAndre Ayton. At the 16th pick, they went with Zaire Smith, but then traded him to Philadelphia for Mikhail Bridges. And then the 2021 Miami Heat pick that is unprotected. Um, and I think they got that in the Drogic trade because um, those are the trades that are, you know, the Heat Suns connections. I think that's the one that's firing up in my mind. Um, they get him, but then also the first pick of the second round, they go out and get Eli Okubo, uh, the international point guard, 6'4", from France. I absolutely loved him. I thought he was a first-round prospect. They got three guys, three guys that I rated, two in my top 10 and three in my top 20. And all they had to give up for was Zaire Smith and a 2021 draft pick. And again, Zaire would have been a nice fit in Phoenix, but Mikhail is ready now. And Mikhail might end up costing less in the end, especially in the way that you probably are going to use him, might cost less in the end than Zaire Smith. Now, if someone sees the potential, then they could always screw you over with an RFA and offer him more money. But I really love what Ryan McDonough did for the Phoenix Suns here. We talked about with uh, Z, our patron, um, and if you do want to support us, check out patreon.com slash most of a podcast. If you want to be on a podcast, check out that $10 tier. Um, but Z, he was on a podcast and we talked about how his how DeAndre Ayton's fit would be with the Phoenix Suns. Guy went to high school for two years in Arizona, played his college ball at Arizona, and now he's fitting into this Arizona team. He's staying in that place that he grew up, and that's big. Not grew up, but you know, at least you know, played you know most of his basketball career. Um, that's big because again, those people are able to connect with you. That's going to get people into the stadium, especially if you're going to be playing and balling out. Because Derrick Rose jerseys are still being sold in Chicago. DeAndre Ayton might be able to tap into that same connection. Now, D-Rose was a Chicago kid. Uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton from the Bahamas isn't a Phoenix kid, technically, but he's a transplant. And, and we see a lot of these guys being transplant. And Phoenix, you know, being so close, there's a lot of transplant. There's a lot of, um, at least, you know, international people and, and a lot of you know, immigrants in that Phoenix area. And they might adapt to Mobamba, but DeAndre Ayton, uh, it's been a long day, four hours of... Uh, four hours of a live stream and now doing an extra podcast. Um, but they might latch on to DeAndre Ayton. And again, the fit is perfect. I mean, they, he's going to be able to you know dominate inside because I think this Phoenix team is going to spread it out. I think they're going to do a ton of passing. DeAndre Ayton's a pretty damn good passer for his own right for a big man for being 7-1. And his physical attributes on the pick and roll and on the low block is going to fit in that spacing uh, you know, offense. And he even himself can stretch out the floor a little bit. If they throw in a guy like a Tyson Chandler and then move eight into the four, that will give the ability to keep that space still. You put Chandler in the middle and then you have on the outside Aiton. Now, I don't know if I think Aiton's going to be, you know, like Dragon Bender shooting threes um, or at least consistently, but I think Aiton can at least, you know, show that range from 17 to 20 feet um, and, and be fairly consistent there. Um, I, I love the eight and fit. No one's really shocked by it, but the biggest shock was that Mikael Bridges because when Mikael Bridges was selected by the six, Sixers, you know, Jake, all of our Demon King uh, 324 was going crazy in our live stream. Those are 76ers fans. Um, absolutely going nuts um, throughout the whole draft live stream, going crazy um, because they got their guy. And we, we were really sure that Mikael Bridges would fit on that Philadelphia team. And then Phoenix takes Zaire Smith, and I really like that fit. You know, young player, going to, be able to develop. It's going to take him time. And then, you know, the 
live stream starts blowing up. I'm like, trade, 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 trade. And then it comes out, Zaire Smith, that 2021, and Mikhail Bridges, you know, is the trade. And we look at Phoenix, and Phoenix now gets the ability to possibly build one of the best defensive wing combos in Josh Jackson and Mikhail Bridges. And people crap on DeAndre Ayton for his defensive abilities. And yes, he's not the most aggressive when it comes to playing defense and being a rim protector. He doesn't have the highest IQ. He's pretty decent switching for a big man. He's got nice feet and he's got athleticism and he can grow into a good defender. We look at Devin Booker. Devin Booker isn't a jack of all trades here. He's not a great defender, but he's got size. So that's one thing that now you have the ability to, let's say you're going up against a Golden State. You have the ability for Mikael Bridges or Josh Jackson to go up and take on a big matchup in Kevin Durant, then you have the second best, you know, guard or you know Josh Jackson or uh, Mikael Bridges go up and take on Steph Curry and put a physical body on him, or even Devin Booker himself can put a physical body on him and at least make shots difficult for Steph Curry. And then with Klay Thompson, you have guys that similarly match up height wise and athleticism wise in Josh Jackson and Mikael Bridges. So this is a, a, a matchup, and I'm not saying the Warriors, you know, Suns better watch out for the or Warriors better watch out for the Suns, but um, this is a really nice pairing because down the line. If we see this NBA go to more wings and offensive-oriented wings, we're going to see and look at the defensive pairing and defensive studs of Josh Jackson and Mikael Bridges. And they both have the ability to shoot from the outside. Josh Jackson's still developing as a shooter. Um, and some people were like, oh, they better go point guard here. They better take a Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, he wasn't on the board. You still get Mikael Bridges for, I think, a fairly good price. And then in the second round, you go, get, you go out and get Okobo. And Okubo, to me, can be an absolute star in this league. I mean, he's got the ability to shoot from deep. Like, this kid has absolute range. And if he's just a bench player, having a six-man that has that range, look how dangerous that is with Lou Williams. Look how dangerous that is with Eric Gordon on the Rockets. Having a guy with that range, having the ball handling skills as well, this is a guy that you know needs to fill out a bit more, but he's only 20 years old, played in the LNB, which is, you know, Created great pros, uh, Clint Capella, uh, Frank Nikitalina, uh, Nick Batum's from there. I think Tony Parker's from there. Um, even Boris Diaw, I think, is from there. The LNB has created NBA pros, and we've seen them adapt to the NBA game. He's, you know, Ali Okobo is going to be at least introduced to a weight program, and he's a guy that, at worst, I think, you know, when he fully develops, he's going to be a six man for you and be a nice second guard for you. And at his best, he's your starting point guard who has deep range and has passing abilities and the ability to drive as well. He's not a bigger body, but again, if he fills out, he might have that ability. So the Suns fixed their point guard problem. They added a wing that, again, it wasn't entirely necessary, but now you have a, a scorer right now in TJ Warren, who's on a fairly cheap contract, maybe four years, 52 million. Um, he's going to be a guy that TJ Warren can come off the bench and be a scorer for you. And some people say, you know, he's a guy that isn't really working from the outside. He's not a three-point shooter, but he's dangerous in that mid-range game. And he's going to be a, a guy that's going to be tough for second units to match up on because of his quickness, because of his length, um, and because of his ability to rise up from mid-range. So having the flexibility with your wings and Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, and Mikhail Bridges, you also fill out that five role and you get a potential stud in DeAndre Ayton. I absolutely love this Suns draft. You know, we look at uh, Marquise Chris, we look at Dragon Bender. You know, these guys really haven't been great so far, but they're both 20 years old. Um, DeAndre Ayton, 19 years old. We look at Devin Booker. It's been crazy to see his growth, but he's only 21, 22 years old. Um, Josh Jackson, 20 years old. And Mikael Bridges, weirdly enough, he's the senior on the team pretty much, uh, but 21 years old for Mikael Bridges. This is a young court, and Okobo as well. 20... 
20 years old, I believe. And then TJ Warren, I think, is 24, 25. So we look at the young core. They have seven guys right there that can be a part of this future. And you can't look up and, and now scoff at Ryan McDonough because he did something where he has now stars on this team. He has guys that fit the modern NBA and he has depth on this team. And you can't pass that up. And especially with this team growing, there might be guys that don't hit that plateau. Okobo might be a whiff. We don't know what he's going to turn into. But again, you still have Devin Booker to play the one. And let's look at the you know the, the, the backups already on that team. You have Brandon Knight, who Brandon Knight was a number one player in, in his high school days. He was he was a dynamic guard. Um, and you know, obviously injuries just held him back, and he's got a really bad contract. But if he's able to come back and at least be productive for you, maybe you can move him. Or if Okobo's not ready yet. He can be a guy that can be that secondary ball handler. Um, and we talk about Chris and Bender. Bender's probably going to be the starter because he has that ability to stretch out. And again, it's going to take a while for him to kind of adapt. And I think people are ready to give up on him because they see what you know Jason Tatum or Markkanen can do um, stepping into the NBA. But Bender is going to take some time. And, and I think people are too rushed to already call people busts because they want to be right. Because, you know, hey, Dragon Bender's an international player. I don't like international players. So... I'm going to call him a bust because he hasn't lived up to a certain plateau. Now Bender has the ability to be the fifth option in that starting lineup. The pressure's off of him. And if he's able to develop one skill and possibly turn into the next Ryan Anderson, I know Rocket fans are throwing up at that, but that guy got paid for a reason because he has one skill as a seven-footer shooting threes. Now if Bender turns into that and they don't overpay for him, you have the ability to stretch the floor out at that four position, at a, at a you know position that's going to be tough to defend. I mean, you don't have a lot of seven foot fours that can defend on the outside and, and really try to block a guy like Dragon Bender. And especially if he's open with the ability to create that Devin Booker shown um, five assists last year, um, eight and on the inside, having to deal with him, Josh Jackson's ability to cut TJ Warren's ability to cut uh, and both those abilities to slash and same with Mikhail Bridges, who also can add a three point shot to that. I mean, this is a Suns team that is really starting the makings of a team that, I don't want to say super team, but they have the ability to turn into a playoff team and a consistent playoff team in Phoenix. And Phoenix has had their struggles. But let's look at the, what, what, what they've done recently. And, you know, they possibly missed on Marquise Chris. That might be one of them. But Bender, I still think, can, you know, turn it around. Aiton is most likely going to be a hit. Mikhail Bridges is one of the safest picks in this draft. Him, Wendell Carter Jr., and Luka Doncic were the three safest picks in my mind in this NBA draft. You got him, and Okobo, there's not a lot of pressure on him to develop, um, and if he does, then boom, you got a backup point guard, and you still have that ability to bring back Devin Booker. And now, you also tell Devin Booker, we have eight who's going to be here for the next five years. We have Mikael Bridges, who's going to be here for the next five years, and he's going to be a guy who can really take off you know, pressures on you defensively and help you shoot, you know, help you find guys on the outside who can shoot. Dragon Bender is now going to be able to work on one single skill and become a dynamic shooter. And Josh Jackson, you saw what he did last year. He really grew in the second half. He became a great defender. We have the making of you becoming the star of the next super team, Devin Booker. And that's how you sell it to this kid. And if I'm Devin Booker, I'm looking at Ryan McDonough and what he's done so far. And yeah, he started off slow, but this is a guy that was, you know, looked at as a GM whiz kid when he was first hired. And so far, I think Ryan McDonough has a really impressive resume. So if I'm a Suns fan, I'm not. But if I was a Suns fan like our, our boy Z, I, I wouldn't, I would, if I, if I was feeling anything less than ecstatic, I would need to check my brain. I would need to really re-examine my life because you hit on every single need and you 
didn't really give up that much. And and you might be looking at, you know, Zaire Smith and that future player, um, especially because Miami might be bad in 2021. Um, but then again, that's a Pat Riley team. That's a team that might be able to free up some cap space, bring in a brief big free agent, and they still have Spolstra. So that Miami team, again, might not be around. And with Philly, Philly might try to take that pick and then trade it to the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard, if that is what they're trying to do and trying to desire and trying to jock for the ability to bring in Kawhi Leonard. So that might not even be a part of the trade. So you just might be trading Mikael Bridges for Zaire Smith, which in my mind is a win. So I look at the Suns and I don't think they took any big risks. I think they had people fall to them and I think they actually made smart moves. Um, so I absolutely love what the Suns did. I was surprised with that Zaire Smith and Mikael Bridges trade because, again, I, I was for sure dead certain that the, the 76ers were going to take him when he came up on the board. They did. And I was for sure certain that, you know, he was a great fit and he was going to be able to step into that playoff team um, that, you know, 150 games really exceeded their their expectations um, and be able to step in and help them win games. I thought that was going to be a, a nice fit. But, you know, Brett Brown, who now runs that show in Philadelphia, didn't think it was going to be in the cards. And for Philly fans, I know Jake's going to probably be watching this and, and if Demon King's watching this, but there are a lot of anger that was going on when that trade was made on the 76ers side. Um, just to talk about that briefly, um, I think the thing is, is that when I saw it, I saw that move was being made for Kawhi, um, or at least putting yourself in a position to uh, get yourself Kawhi, because what's the whole idea of the process. Brett Brown's been there for the whole process. He knows what the process is like. He might not be hinky, but this guy has been through the ringer. He knows what it's like to be a part of the process. And the process is about getting assets and turning them into something big. That 2021 Miami Heat pick could be possibly something big and used for positioning to take it and turn it into the you know, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you take that Sacramento pick uh, next year and you take that and put it into Kawhi Leonard. And maybe they want Markel Fultz. Well, if you get rid of Fultz, you're going to need another guard. And Zaire Smith has the ability to possibly turn into what you need next to Ben Simmons in a shooter and defense and and, and the ability to guard quicker guards. Because um, Ben Simmons wasn't bad defensively at all um, guarding ones. But if you do have troubles with, you know, Ben Simmons not being quick enough, um, or maybe you need to change a pace like they did during that Boston series where Ben Simmons was off the floor and TJ McConnell was on and they were better with TJ on, you have that ability with Zaire Smith. And Zaire, in, in your mind, might be safer than Mikel, uh, Markel Fultz because, yeah, Fultz was the number one pick, but let's look at what he did last year. They didn't want to play him in the playoffs. They weren't trusting him. We don't know what was going on for the first 72 games with Markel Fultz. So if you want to unload him because he has that you know number one draft pick, that potential, and take some of those draft picks that you've accumulated through the process and take that and turn it into Kawhi Leonard, are you going to be you know happier with Kawhi Leonard for the future and that massive cap space that you do have, or are you going to be you know still thinking about Mikael Bridges? Because if you want an NBA championship with Kawhi Leonard that you got from that Phoenix Suns trade, you're not going to be upset at all. You're going to be throwing a party and jumping on light posts just like the Philadelphia Eagles fans were. So. If I was a Philly fan, I'd relax and I'd trust the process. And if I was a Suns fan, I'd be ecstatic because you have a starting five of the future, you have depth, and you have a smart GM in Ryan McDonough. Let me know what you think about the Suns draft. Personally, I think they won the draft easily, by far. They got three of my favorite players in this draft. Again, one of the safest players, I think, in Mikhail Bridges, uh, a, a dynamic point guard, no, potential, dynamic, potentially a dynamic point guard in Okobo. And then clearly, you know, DeAndre Ayton was number one or number two on mostly every single person's board who was doing a, a mock draft or a big board for a reason. 
this guy seven one looks like a looks like a superhero. I mean, this guy is built like Dwight Dwight Howard was at his peak, and he's what nineteen years old. I mean, this guy's ridiculous, uh, just physically uh, ridiculous, DeAndre Ayton, and, and he has some basketball skills to go with it. So let me know what you think about the Suns draft. I think they hit the nail on the head. Shout out Ryan McDonough. If you're a fan, what's up? Hire me. I'll be an intern. Let me know. But let's move on to the first trade we saw, and that was Luka Doncic being selected by the Atlanta Hawks, and then the Atlanta Hawks trading uh, Luka to the Dallas Mavericks for Trey Young and then a 2019 first-round pick. And uh, I was looking it up, and I believe it's a top-five protected pick. So Dallas gives up Trey Young and 2019's first-round pick for the— uh, for, and that, that pick is going to be top-five protected for Luka Doncic. And I look at this for, for, for the Mavs, and we hear just Rick Carlisle talk about it. They were enamored with this kid. They loved him. They think— that he's going to be a future you know, franchise centerpiece for them. And I can't disagree with Rick Carlisle. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. I think he's underrated. Uh, you know, Top 10 uh, coach for sure. Um, he's a guy that took some bad Dallas Mavericks teams pretty far. Um, you know, guys, you know, teams that had veterans um, for sure, but you know, teams that weren't great. Um, we consistently see that Carlisle's offense works when they have multiple ball handlers. Let's look back when they won a championship. They had Jason Kidd. They had Jason Terry. They had a lot of guys that can carry the ball, and, and you know, they weren't really one-dimensional. And, yes, they had Dirk um, you know, when Dirk was an absolute stud back in 2011. But they still have Dirk now. But um, now they're trying to take that and turn it into the future. And, and we look at what they're doing, and it's really through wings and dynamic guard play. We saw Dennis Smith Jr. be a dynamic guard last year, and – one of the best assets that Dennis Smith has in his you know, arsenal is his athleticism. Really unbeaten. We talked about this last year in last year's draft, that he is a next-level athlete. It's scary what he can do, especially attacking the rim. And now I think you can take Dennis Smith, and this is just in certain sets, but I think you can take Dennis Smith's assets, his best assets, and work him off ball, possibly as a cutter, Definitely in isolation, and if you work him in an isolation and he gets trapped, he gets you know stuck, you're going to have the ability to dish it out to Luka Doncic, who then again can just restart the play, or if he's open for three, can take that three. But what I really like is, again, working Dennis Smith off of cuts because he's quick. He's going to beat a lot of guys around screens. He's going to be able to get himself open, and then if he's able to catch the ball, let's say he's on the wing. Let's say you know Luka is trying to create on, his, on, on the right side. He comes back towards the middle of the bucket, and they run plays where Smith starts cuts around near the baseline, and then cuts up on that left wing. You have Dennis Smith, where a guy's coming around a screen. Dennis Smith catches the ball. He's lightning quick. He's going to the baseline already, going past the defender that's going towards the top of the key, out to that wing position. He's blown past him. Now Dennis Smith has a direct line to the bucket. And you have that ability because of Luka Doncic's passing ability. And again, if they see that, you know, again, this defender's going to be cheating, and they're going to be trying to jump the pass this way towards Dennis Smith, Luka Doncic is an unreal passer, so he's going to be able to hit Dennis Smith on a backdoor screen. And let's not talk about the you know the the potential in the pick and roll that you know Luka Doncic is going to have either with Dirk Nowitzki or a five that they bring in. You know, let's say they bring in Julius Randle, who possibly is going to be a free agent if the Lakers try to go after LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. They're going to need to get rid of Julius Randle because they won't be able to sign him. So if they get rid of Julius Randle, they can go with some small ball five here. Julius Randle was. Unreal last year. True shooting of 60%. That's really not seen too often. He's a guy that doesn't stretch the floor out a little bit, but you have Dirk Nowitzki, and Dirk still has the ability to shoot from deep. And 
really this offense is, is super interesting to me. And, and even in the live stream, uh, something that was thrown out, I didn't think about this too much, but um, th- even in the live stream, they threw out the possibility of Boogie Cousins going to the Mavericks. And could you imagine Luka Doncic and Boogie Cousins in a pick and roll? And hell, you even say Dirk, Boogie, and Luka in a pitching, pick and roll? Good luck, NBA. You're not going to be able to stop it because Luka Doncic can pick apart an offense in the half court. And one massive thing, too, is in the half court, you're going to have Luka Doncic who can destroy teams in the pick and roll. Look at his ability to really pick apart a defense and his court vision, his passing abilities. He makes some bad decisions, but he's 20 years old. And the majority of his plays are NBA-level plays already as a 19-year-old. I know some people are talking about his athleticism, his defense. We'll get to that. But... Right now, in the half court and in his half court offense, having dynamic athletes like Harrison Barnes and Dennis Smith Jr. and having smart veteran players like Dirk Nowitzki alongside him, Wes Matthews alongside him, it, it's going to be unfair how good this this offense could be in the half court. And this is this year. And that's not saying you know signing Julius Randle, signing uh, you know Boogie Cousins. That's if that's a possibility or if that happens. This is talking about the guys they have right now: Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr., Dirk Nowitzki. This could be a really fun team to watch in the half court. And one thing is that Luka is great on outlet passes. Luka has the ability to find Dennis Smith Jr. And Dennis Smith Jr.'s explosive athleticism in the full court on breaks is going to be hard to stop. So they have the ability to kill you with full court playmaking with Dennis Smith's athleticism and his passing ability, because I don't want to underrate that. His passing ability, Dennis Smith Jr. on the fast break, good luck stopping it. Again, he's so explosive. He's so quick. And then Luka's patience his ability to attack and meticulously pick apart an offense and a defense um, in the half court. This offense is, has the meshings of a spectacular, absolutely spectacular offense. Um, I, I absolutely love what Dallas did here. And, and some people are worried about that 2019 pick. But think about it this way. If they get someone big in free agency, and you know, we'll even throw out DeMarcus Cousins. Or not DeMarcus Cousins, I'm sorry. DeAndre Jordan. We'll throw out DeAndre Jordan. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Mark Cuban wants to even touch DeAndre Jordan with what happened the last time they tried to sign him. But let's just use him as an example. If they go and get DeAndre Jordan, they bring him in. You have a rim runner, the ability to now pair DeAndre Jordan and Dennis Smith in the fast break. And then also in the half court, you have Luka Doncic run Lob City with DeAndre Jordan. And you have a rim protector. You have an athletic rim protector in DeAndre Jordan, if you're able to bring him in, there's so many options for this Dallas team that you can't help to be excited about. If you're a Dallas fan, you got to be pumped about this. And, and I know I was I kind of went off topic there, but uh, if you are a Dallas fan, you're worried about that 2019 pick, you're top five protected. So if you're horrible, you're going to get that pick back. But I don't think this team's going to be horrible. I think this team, you're looking at top 10 maybe even outside the top 10. You might be in Clipper range, um, especially if you, you know, depending on what you do in free agency. So I, lo- I love this trade. I mean, you don't have a lot of assets outside of your future picks, but you didn't get rid of many of them. Um, this is, I think, the first one you've gotten rid of. Um, so you still have the ability you know, for later picks to even be moved to bring in a five that can be dynamic. But Luka Doncic as a player, this is his best fit. This is where he needs to be to thrive. You're with a great coach in Rick Carlisle, a guy that's worked with international players before, and you are now working alongside, and, and a guy that, you know, even after he's done playing, will most likely be a part of this Dallas organization, in Dirk Nowitzki, who is the greatest international player of all time. And I'm not talking about, you know, Hakeem, who was born internationally, you know, he came over and played college here. I'm talking about guys that were strictly international. Dirk is clearly, and by far, the best 
international player of all time. And you get to learn from him. A guy that's been here for 20 years. And you be to be able to pick his brain, work with him. A guy that was able to not only take the international basketball side and be a great basketball player, but also take that and bring it back and, and be an international superstar. Dirk has that ability. Dirk made that true. He was the first international superstar like that. If that's what Luka wants, you have the guy in Dirk to really mesh that, to, to, to grow that, to really culture that, and, and, and to bring that up and, and teach Luka Doncic how to do it. And, and Luka, with his playmaking, his ability to hit shots from the outside, I know some people say 31%, but again, he's, his form isn't broken. The kid can shoot. Um, but he, when you play 90 games uh, against international professional experience, and yes, p- some people would say, oh, you know, how good is their international team if you know, a 19-year-old's the best player? It's not that the international league is bad. It's that this 19-year-old is really fucking good. This is this hasn't been done before. It's not like this has been you know 19-year-olds are dominating this league consistently. Like I mean, we saw 19-year-olds dominate the NBA before. I mean, LeBron James came in and dominated. LeBron James was already a stud in the NBA his first year. So we've seen guys come in and be great, you know, at 19 in the NBA. How good is the NBA if you know these guys are dominating 19? No, the player LeBron James. Is really good. Luka Doncic can be really good overseas. I know you might be only watching YouTube highlights, but Luka Doncic is legit. Luka Doncic can be the next superstar. He was the safest pick in this draft because at worst, he is a very good ball handler with a 6'8 frame, and he's a pretty decent shooter. You know, he might be affected by his, you know, athleticism. Um, again, he's not a next level athlete like LeBron James ever was. He's not a next level athlete like Dennis Smith even is. Um, but he is a, a, an athlete, he's, and he's a smart basketball player. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for um, Dallas, because even Dirk, Dirk's not a crazy good athlete. I mean, how many dunks have you seen Dirk throw down? And, and how many you know, one-footed dunks have you seen Dirk throw down? Consistently, you know, Dirk's not that great of an athlete and hasn't really been that great of an athlete, especially when he comes in. You know, for the past you know, six years, seven years, he's tailored his game to his shot, to his you know, positioning, to his body. You can be a great player in the NBA and not be a great athlete. You can be smart. And I think Luka Doncic is that level of smart. I think he is a guy that can really be a smart player who can dominate this league. So I, I think this is the best landing spot for Luka. And some people might be worried about the trade and the asset they gave up. But this is a guy that's going to fit in this Dallas team. And he's going to be a guy that's going to fit there for the next five years alongside Dennis Smith Jr. And we've seen Mark Cuban not be afraid to throw money into this Dallas team. He's not afraid to make a splash in free agency. But even then, this team knows how to find budget players that work on their team. Paige Stoyakovich when they won an NBA championship. Jason Kidd when they won an NBA championship. Sean Marion when they won an NBA championship. Jason Terry. This team knows how to scout. This team knows how to bring in international talent. Even Rodrigo Bobas, their old point guard. J.J. Barea even. They have the ability to find talent. They found Steve Nash. They made sure Steve Nash is on this team. And Steve Nash and Dirk were great. Yes, they've been on, you know, uh, a little bit of a dip recently because, you know, players got older. They weren't able to keep those players around and they didn't hit too much in free agency like they weren't once were able to do. But you still have a great coach in Rick Carlisle. You have an owner who's invested into the team in Mark Cuban. You have a legend in Dirk Nowitzki who's going to be able to help Luka Doncic grow. And you have two young stars in in Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic. And even then, Harrison Barnes, in his own right, is a good player. Now, do I think Dallas is done? No. They still need to make sure they get the next big three. I think they still need uh, a guy that's you know not 40 years old being your stretch four. But if they're able to find another dynamic athlete coming out, if they're able to find a dynamic athlete 
um, and, and add them through free agency, this team's going to be absolutely fine. And if if that player fits their timeline, um, you know, whether it's a three or you know, whether it's a two or whether it's a four or whether it's a five, um, the player they bring in through free agency, this is a team that's going to be a playoff team consistently. And even with Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic, this is going to be a playoff team in the next couple of years. Maybe not next year. They're still probably going to be in the lottery. But might maybe later lottery, maybe Nuggets lottery, you know, Clippers, that area, Hornets. Um, I mean, the West is going to be a bloodbath this year uh, with the Nets, Spurs, Clippers, all these teams going up, Minnesota, all the teams that made the playoffs already. Um, and Dallas is going to be, you know, fighting in that bloodbath. That might bring them down a little bit. But I, I think Luka Doncic was an absolute steal here. I think Dallas had probably the best draft just based on this pick alone because Luka is that good. And and you have two guys who I think in Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic that are going to be starters for <laughs> the majority of their NBA careers. I think they're going to have long careers if they're not affected by injuries. And you look at back-to-back drafts where the Mavericks hit. They hit on Dennis Smith Jr. at 9. They hit on Luka Doncic and, and traded up. And some people might be saying, well, if we look at what was available at the 5, you know, Trey Young would probably be available there at the five because, or actually, he probably wouldn't have been. Um, but you're probably risking the opportunity to, you know, let Memphis take Luka Doncic if the Hawks go uh, to, with Trey Young at three. You're, you're missing out on that ability. Um, but then again, you know, you're looking at what would be there. Jaron Jackson, Mo Bamba would have been there. Mo Bamba would have been a fit, but you don't have that dynamic playmaker. And wings win rings in this NBA. Look at. Kevin Durant, look at LeBron James, look at the last people to, Kawhi Leonard, look at the last teams to win NBA championships in the past, you know, since 2014, both had dynamic wing play, and Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, you know, it's going to be a a while until Luka Doncic shows that he is on that level, but I think he has that opportunity, and and people, again, will bring in his defense, he's not a next level defender like Kawhi Leonard, he's not a great defender like Kevin Durant, but he's a smart basketball player, and again, that goes a long way. He's not going to forget that, you know, we're, you know, tied up uh, with, you know, missing a free throw and then dribble it out to the to the sideline. Luca's going to know the score and Luca's not going to be afraid to shoot the shot. And, and Luca's hit big shots before. And you ever see that kid step, uh, you know, crossover step back? It's disgusting already. He's 19 years old. He knows how to use his body. He knows how to use his positioning. He knows how to use deception. And sometimes that's better than having athleticism. We've seen guys who are athletic and not have any basketball sense at all. I mean, let's look at Hamadou Diallo. That kid's an athlete, but he doesn't know how to play basketball. That's why he went 39th overall in this draft. Luka is a decent athlete. He's nothing great, but he's a smart basketball player. He knows positioning. And there's some guys that, again, you've gone up against them when you're playing basketball. And you look at them and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, like, let's think about fat, over, you know, fat, out of shape guys like Charles Barkley. I mean, Charles Barkley was a big dude. Or even Dewan Blair that used to be in the league. And I know Luka Doncic isn't, you know, these guys, but, you know, there's guys that just know how to use their body. They know how to use their smarts. They know how to play basketball. And that goes a long way, even in the NBA. Um, again, I don't think he's going to be, you know, throwing up LeBron James highlights. I don't think he's anything like that. And some people, you know, consistently like to shit on this kid. But this kid is a winner. This kid has won. And I know it's not in your precious NCAA, but I think... What he's done, winning Eurobasket, winning the you know every single Final Four he was able to um, with Real Madrid, it goes much longer than winning one NCAA championship or being bounced in the first round by Buffalo, uh, DeAndre Ayton, or even with Marvin Bagley and Duke not making it to the Final Four. Like doing what Luka Doncic did 
playing 90 games in the past year compared to 35 games and going up against a chair in, in you know the combine, it goes a long way because this guy's experienced. He knows how to play against professionals. He doesn't know how to play against LeBron James, but he knows how to play against professional basketball players. And he's going to be able to win most of the battles in his first year. He's just going to get better. He's just going to grow. And he is the guy now in Dallas. He's going to be taking over for Dirk Nowitzki. And luckily, Dirk is still there to really show him the ropes and show him how to be a great basketball player. And he's got Dennis Smith to go right alongside him. He's got Harrison Barts to go right alongside him. And this Dallas Mavericks team knows how to find talent. And I'm not going to be shocked if this Dallas Mavericks team is a top of the Western Conference in five, you know, five years from now. If we're looking at 2023 and Luka Doncic is second in the Western Conference with Dennis Smith alongside him, I'm not going to be shocked. And, and I think that, you know, we look back on this, people are going to you know, probably look back and say, why did Marvin Bagley go two and Luka Doncic was available at three? And why did the Hawks trade away the ability to have Luka Doncic on their team? Why did they go with Trey Young? Because Luka Doncic, I think, is going to be the best player um, in this draft. And I'm pretty confident saying that from what he's done over his career internationally. So if you're questioning this pick as a Dallas fan, Hopefully this calmed your nerves because you won uh, outside. Of, if you're not you know, outside of the Suns, because I, I think they had the best draft. That's because they had they had on three picks. Um, you hit on one pick and, and you made a trade. You made a move that's bold, but I think it will pan out for you. And even if it doesn't, I think it's worth the risk. Um, and if it doesn't pan out, that means he's not a superstar. But I don't think it doesn't mean he's not a starter. And I don't think it means he can't contribute to your team for the next years um, to come. So if you're a Mavs fan, you were worried about this pick. You don't like Luka Doncic. Just wait until you see him next year, and I, I think he's going to be something special, um, even his first year. And some people are making, you know, telling me to make my rookie of the year prediction. That's Luka Doncic. Aiton's going to be fantastic. I think sixteen and ten. I think Luka has the ability to do fifteen, seven, seven. Look at what Ben Simmons did. I think Luka does that. I think Luka has the ability to possibly do fifteen, seven, and seven. And maybe some people are saying I'm crazy for saying that, but. I, he's not the athlete that Ben Simmons was, but Ben Simmons can't shoot. Luka Doncic can. And Luka, he might not blow by people in, in, the, in, in the full court, but he's going to be able to really fool people when it comes to half-court basketball. So if you're looking for my Rookie of the Year pick early right now, I'm going Luka Doncic because I think he's in the best system um, and the best place for him. Let me know what you think about Luka Doncic. Did the Kings mess up by missing him? I don't think they did. Um, I understand the Marvin Bagley pick. I think they should have gone Luka Doncic, but hell, you know, everyone's got their own their their own quirks. But let me know what you think about the Luka Doncic pitch, pick for the Mavericks. Did they give too much up? Did they give up that 2019 pick? Do you think that was a little bit too much? Uh, do you think the Hawks messed up by taking Trey Young? Do you think the Hawks made the right choice by going with Trey Young? I know some people were saying, oh, Trey Young has superstar mentality and Atlanta needs to sell tickets. So someone in our live stream, uh, Atlanta needs to sell tickets and Trey Young has superstar you know, potential. He does, but... With Luka Doncic, I think you're going after a guy that's going to not be a superstar per se and, you know, an all-star, you know, every single year and being on all NBA teams. I don't even know if that's going to be right about Trey Young, but what Luka Doncic can do is really bring a winning culture to your team. It's saying a lot about a 19-year-old, um, but I think I think it's fair. He can bring a winning culture to your team and having a team that's consistently good is going to sell more than just one solo superstar. So, I mean, I think, you know, a superstar at a, at a, at a next level talent can bring you still to the playoffs. Um, but one superstar, it's like Kemba Walker, is not going to make a team successful. Kemba Walker's a superstar. That 
team in Charlotte isn't really that successful. They're not selling a ton of tickets. And Atlanta taking Trey Young isn't really going to make that team super successful. But building a culture like Dallas Mavericks, and the Dallas Mavericks are doing by taking Luka Doncic and putting him around the right players in Dirk, putting him right around the right owner in uh, Mark Cuban, and putting him around the right coach in Rick Carlisle is how you build a culture and how you build a winner. In my mind, let me know what you think. But let's move into the next pick we're talking about, and it's Mo Bamba. Again, I want to talk about something because this draft wasn't too shocking. This draft, I wasn't too upset about any picks. I didn't think anyone really screwed up too big. I didn't like, again, I think, you know, King should have went with uh, Marvin Bagley. Uh, Sorry, I think the King should have went with Luka Doncic over Marvin Bagley, Bagley, but I I still think Marvin Bagley, can. his athleticism is undeniable, and his his offensive ability is undeniable. He might step in and be a good, you know, a good NBA pro, and he might still be able to stick around in the league because of his offensive ability. Um, I understand that, Um, and and pairing that with Jaron Fox, with uh, Bogdanovich, with Buddy Heald, could be interesting. And having Willie Colley Stein to hide his defensive deficiencies, it could be interesting. So I'm not going to crap on Sacramento for that. I still think they made the wrong choice, but I understand it. Again, I don't think any picks were really bad. If we're looking at some bad picks, I think the first one you got to look at, I talked about this in Best and Worst, is Trey Young. The next pick that I thought was interesting was the Orlando Magic with Mo Baba. And I've had my fair shares of bashing the Orlando Magic. I remember when they signed Bismack Biombo to a four-year, $72 million contract saying they had 11 starters and will do nothing with those 11 starters because they're all fourth or fifth options on teams and getting crapped on the Orlando Magic fans. Guess what? They've had three coaches since that video. So I don't think I was too wrong about that, that prediction. You know, I don't think I was too off about saying that the Orlando Magic made a mistake by signing Bismack Biombo, who's not even a starter on the Orlando Magic, to a four-year, $72 million contract. There's people on that, con- I mean, if you've been here for a long time, and I'm, I'm not salty about it, but I just like being right, because again, some people like to insult our intelligence on these podcasts. Again, I'm not getting paid by ESPN to do these. I'm not getting paid because of my basketball knowledge. I'm doing this because I love it, and I'm doing it because it's fun. And when you're in the comments saying Vucevic for Draymond straight up, and this is back when you know the Warriors just won 73 games, you, you sound stupid. You, Vucevic isn't going to get you anything this year, and you're most likely going to trade him. Because, again, the Orlando Magic, and I'm, I'm, get, I'm trying to build up to give the Orlando Magic credit, because I've had my fair share of bashing the Orlando Magic. But they were put in a bad situation here, because their best fit was Trey Young. They needed a guy who was going to be able to dish the ball out to Evan Fournier, Evan Gord- uh, Aaron Gordon, uh, Jonathan Isaac, Vucevic. Um, but he was off the board. I think Colin Sexton is not a dynamic of enough playmaker and, and not the playmaker that they needed, um, at least uh, in Orlando. So I didn't think that was a good fit. And Wendell Carter, definitely not a good fit. They needed, they needed a guy that was going to be a star. I've consistently said that. They need a star. Um, they went Jonathan Isaac last year. I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he'd be a starter. Um, especially, you know, depending on his health. Um, but they went and got the best player available. They went and got the guy with the most potential. And I don't think we can really fought, you know, fight the, the magic for going with Mo Bamba here. I don't think it was the wrong pick. I, I think that the magic went with the right choice. I think the magic made the right decision to go with Mo Bamba. We look at his potential. Some people are inflating it, but I think this kid is going to be something special in the NBA. Um, now I don't know if he's going to be something special on the magic because you look at their team right now and you're going to have a six eleven forward and Jonathan Isaac play the three most likely. 
You're going to have Aaron Gordon at the four because that's where he naturally fits. That's his best position right there. You're going to have Evan Fournier at the two, Mobamba at the five. You don't have anyone to get him that ball right now. You're going to have to go out and get somebody, whether that's in free agency or a trade, unless it's going to be DJ Augustine, which is going to be a train wreck. But again, you went with the player that's going to be the best. And maybe you take Vucevic and you trade him for a point guard. And you, and you go out and get him. And I know you drafted a, a point guard. I, I can't think of off the top of my head. It's been such a long, it's been such a long uh, draft. I'll check it out. But uh, the the player they took was uh, oh no, took Melvin Frazier. It took a small forward, of course. Uh, but again, I think you know they, they need a point guard uh, to be able to get those guys the ball. And, and I think Vucevic was probably going to be that asset they move to get a a point guard. But still, on the basis, I, I think that the Magic made the right choice in getting Mobamba. Um, because his length is undeniable. One of the large, largest wingspans in the in, in NBA history, and he's 19 years old. And we look at the ceiling that he has, and it's through the roof. I mean, this guy at seven feet tall has the has a shot right now after working with Drew Hanlon that's butter, that's absolutely silky smooth. And I know he's doing it unguarded in practice, but you can't deny a shot. You can't deny a stroke. He's stroking it there. And, and I understand it's from an empty gym, but... If he's getting open looks from a playmaking point guard, they don't have one right now, but if they're able to get a playmaking point guard and, you know, have Mobamba use him, use him in, in pick and pop sets, he's going to be able to sink those shots. And he's a guy that was fairly decent from the free throw line for a big man in his first year. And he's got undeniable athletic ability to drive and attack the rim. Kind of similar to Kristaps Porzingis in his ability and his size to attack the rim like that. We've seen KP throw down some nasty dunks. Mo Bamba has shown flashes of throwing down nasty dunks at his size, especially when he's coming from the top of the key, driving in the lane. So, and I'm talking about his offense right now, but his best asset right now is defense. So you look at the defensive ability of Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba, those guys can switch one through five, and those guys are 6'11". So the defensive potential for the Magic is is unreal with 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 Jonathan Isaac and Mobamba. Um I don't I don't think they missed out. I don't think they made a, a bad choice. I think they got screwed um by by what happened here, but I think he fits with the Magic in the sense that if he's going to be your second option or if you think he's going to be your first option, but right now I think he's probably your second option behind Aaron Gordon and that's you know making sure you keep Aaron Gordon. Um, I think he fits because he's going to have length, he's going to have the defensive ability, and he has a crazy high ceiling. And this Magic team isn't going to be a playoff team this year. They're not going to be a playoff team the year after that. It's going to take him a long time to develop. I think it's going to take Mo Bamba a couple years before he gets to that size because you look at this kid's legs, they're chicken legs. I mean, he needs to get into an NBA weight room. He needs to work with NBA trainers. He needs to get bigger and bulk up. Now, I don't want to see what he looks like when he's bulked up because it's going to be terrifying Seeing a seven-footer with that wingspan with jacked muscles. I'm not sure why I'm pointing to myself because I'm not jacked. Um, but if he's on that Aaron Gordon diet, it's going to be disgusting for a seven-footer with that muscle, with that lean ability. And if he's able to add weight in his bottom, him on the post is going to be insane. Him driving from the top of the key is going to be insane. His shot from the top of the key is going to be insane. And his shot from the three-point line is going to be insane. So you have the, you know, starter pack of a star star in Mobamba. And I've consistently blasted the Orlando Magic for not getting a star, for getting players that just fit in the NBA, guys that are scraps from other teams. They went out and got a star. They didn't fuck around. They didn't go and get a fit. They went out and got a star, or at least guy with star potential in Mobamba. So 
Does he fit with the Orlando Magic right now in this current team? No, because you have Nikola Vucevic, you have Biznak Biombo, you have Jonathan Isaac, you have Aaron Gordon. There's a lot of players at that forward position that needs to be weeded out. But once it's weeded out, you're going to have the cream of the crop, the tallest prospects on there out on the floor. You're going to have Aaron Gordon, you're going to have Jonathan Isaac, you're going to have Mo Bamba. Those guys are probably going to be the three centerpieces that I would really focus on. Um, and even then, Evan Fournier, if he's their fourth option, it's a guy that puts up 17 points a game. He's a dynamic shooter. You just got to look at that point guard position. Now, they got to take a risk, I think, with point guard. Because Vucevic isn't going to get you Draymond Green straight up. He's not going to get you a, a top 10 point guard. He's not going to get you Kemba Walker or anything like that. But if you have faith and want to take a risk, maybe Brandon Knight of the Phoenix Suns is an intriguing option. Maybe you think Seth Curry could be that option. I don't know about that, but if he's interesting, and if if you like him, maybe you go after him. Maybe Reggie Jackson needs a fresh start. Maybe you go after him. Uh, We look at Steve Clifford coming in. What does he want from a point guard? Does he want length? Does he want playmaking abilities? Um, Clearly he's been working with Kemba Walker, but when he was with the Orlando Magic back in the day, they were running with Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson did fine. Um, So I think maybe they look for more of a budget guy that does the job, and J.J. Augustine is a budget guy, but I think he's more of a backup. I think you need to go younger, too. I think the biggest thing for the Magic is they need to go younger, and they kind of need to weed out the old veteran players that just kind of linger around. They had Jeff Green. They had Terrence Ross. They still have Terrence Ross. They have D.J. Augustine. But I think they kind of need to weed that out and bring the youth up. And I think that's going to be shown by starting Fournier, starting Isaac, starting Bamba, and starting Gordon. Um, And and maybe a, a, a team that would be interesting is Spencer Dinwiddie, who really balled out for the Nets. I think he's 26, 27, 28 years old. Vucevic maybe won't be a fit for the Magic or for the Nets, but again, moving different options, maybe take again, I think they took Melvin Frazier in the second round. Maybe Melvin Frazier intrigues them. I, I think with Dinwiddie's contract, that might be something that you go after and take a risk because if he balls out, you're gonna have to pay him. But if he's balling out and he's helping your team, it's not that bad of a risk. Um, so I think the, the Magic are going to need to get interesting. Uh, you know, the, the, the former Bucks GM, that's now their GM, is going to need to get creative in, in their, their pursuance of a point guard. Maybe Eric Bledsoe is a guy that intrigues um, the Magic. I know that you know, the Bucks are kind of talking about getting rid of him. I think he could be definitely an interesting guy. People compare him to Mindy LeBron. And maybe getting him a fresh start with some length, with some speed, is going to be something that really works for him because he's a guy that really likes to work inside. He's a he's a strong, very strong point guard. Um, I, I think he can be a very interesting prospect. But again, I, if we're looking at the fit of Mobamba defensively, it's going to be outstanding what Jonathan Isaac and him can do. And Eric Gordon, in his own right, is a, a good defender. Fournier isn't horrible. So you already have four starters that can contribute to a good defense. Um, I would have loved to actually see what Frank Vogel could do with that defense, but I know he's not on the he's not their coach anymore. It's Steve Clifford. Um, but even Clifford has brought the Hornets to a playoff uh, you know, opportunity before. The one name I'm gonna throw out there, because I'm I'm thinking and trying to rack my brain, because I didn't really prepare for this. I just did a four hour live stream and I just did about, I don't know, I think we're probably closing in on the forty fifth minute or maybe even the uh, the the hour mark of this podcast, but one name that really had a nice postseason this year and, and kind of a resurgence, maybe that this per- person will want to stay in the, the team that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, it's his old coach and, and he, he gained some confidence, but maybe you kick the tires on D-Rose. <laughs> maybe, maybe you try to bring something out of him because 
D. Rose still has scoring ability. D. Rose still has the ability to pass the ball. And it's going to be possibly a nightmare. But I think it's worth the shot if you think D. Rose wants to, you know, take a one-year prove-it deal. Because D. Rose in the playoffs was one of Minnesota's best players. And he went up against that Houston Rockets team and did pretty well. And if we're looking for a playmaking point guard, maybe this is the, you know, it's it's 1 a.m. Maybe this is just the time getting to me, but fuck it. Go get Derek Rose, Orlando Magic. Because this team, and he doesn't really fit their timeline. So maybe this is the, the time getting to me. But again, he's a guy that, I think the Magic need to be creative in who they pursue in a point guard because they didn't draft one. Um, and they got a Melvin Frazier, I think, is going to be a fine pro. Um, I think he brings length and athleticism and even defense to this Magic team that's already defensively loaded. But Derrick Rose might be a guy that you kick the tires on because of his ability to drive. And that's going to open up the ability for Mo Bamba to show off his new and, and improved three-point shot. And one thing that the Magic were able to do last year, and, and maybe Steve Clifford tried to work this into his team this year, is that to start the season... Orlando was one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Like, by far. They were jacking up threes left and right, and they were hitting them. And Aaron Gordon showed his range. And, you know, Vucevic, or not Vucevic, uh, Fournier showed he was legit. Um, I think, you know, if they're able to kind of retool this team and show Aaron Gordon's ability to work from the outside, Mo Bamba's ability to work from the outside, um, I, this might be a team that lives off space. And if you go out and get a guy like Derrick Rose, who's running two high horn sets, and being able to get two screens on big bodies like Jonathan Isaac, 6'11", Mo Bamba, 6'11", or even Aaron Gordon, who's built like a monster. And he's able to get around those, and you're able to you know, really stretch out that defense, take those rim protectors out, and you have D. Rose driving to the hoop. I mean, D. Rose is still strong. He's still a guy that can put his body into anybody and create contact. So, God, I'm, I can't believe I'm pitching D. Rose to the Magic right now. But go and get D. Rose. I'm intrigued now. I think that's a, an extremely intriguing pickup for, for the Magic, if that's possible. Um, maybe this is just the time getting to me. But And this is about Mo Bamba's fit. Now it's really just talking about Derrick Rose. But I, I like the Mo Bamba fit. Again, Ricky fell in love with Mo Bamba. And, and Ricky on the podcast consistently sung his praises that in the next three years, this can be the best big man in the draft. And he absolutely can be. I think Mo Bamba needs to work on his size. And I think he needs to work with an NBA trainer um, to at least build up and, and get stronger. Because right now on the block... If he goes up against anybody with strength or size, he's going to get pushed around. If he goes up against Dwight Howard, Jesus Christ, Dwight Howard's just going to bully him. Hassan Whiteside, Joel Embiid, going to get absolutely bullied by the strength of those guys. And Mo Bamba can get there. Mo Bamba could, you know, get into a weightlifting program. He could start eating, you know, proteins and, and start building up that muscle. But right now, he's not that player. His ability is going to be his footwork down low, which is extremely good right now for, for a young player. Um, and, and working with this Orlando team that has the ability to stretch the floor, that's going to, you know, at least provide them a lot of space down low to work with and having that footwork and that wingspan, that's going to be able to help him create shots over bigger, stronger defenders, because he might be able to get his speed and those hands up quicker to get over a defender that's trying to block a shot. Um, so I, I think this, this, this team and, and Steve Clifford, who, you know, did wonders with Dwight Howard when he was on the Orlando Magic, even the Charlotte Hornets, I think Mo Bamba, Working with a guy with Steve Clifford is a really nice fit. Um, I think that this team made the right choice. I think Orlando made the right choice in taking Mobamba. Um, I keep just circling back to that to that point, and I think that's probably where I'm going to get you know I'm going to cut this off just because I think they got screwed by the way everything fell out. I think Trey Young should have been their pick if he was available. Um, clearly, he was off the board, um, and with 
what was left on the board, I think the Magic made the right choice. And I think I just wanted to give them 14 minutes of being able to tell me they finally did something right. Because I've cracked on Orlando for the past two and a half years I've been doing this podcast. Um, and Orlando made the right choice. They didn't screw up. I know it's a new regime. I know it's a new fresh start for Orlando. And they did wonders with it. They got Mo Bamba, who we can be looking at. And in three years, like Ricky Wimmer said, he'd be the best big man in this draft. And maybe instead of getting screwed by the way everything fell out and not getting Trey Young, they could be lucky. And, and they might be getting the best big man with the highest ceiling in this draft falling to them at six. And Mo Bamba, he's got a great attitude. He seems extremely smart. He's a guy that I think could be an NBA pro if he's able to fill out. Now, if he's not able to fill out, kid's screwed. Um, but if he fills out, he's able to chew, again, build up that body. He could be freaky. He could be absolutely freaky uh, with that wingspan, with his ability to block shots already. Um, I think one thing he does need to do is at least play with a little bit of fire. Um, I think that's one thing the Magic have lost, too. Because when Dwight Howard was there, they were a fiery team. Peja, Hidu, uh, Rashad Lewis. I mean, that was a scrappy team. Jameer Nelson, uh, Dwight Howard. I mean, those guys would bang up players. You had Jeff Van Gundy with his mustache. He was all gross and you know scraggly on the on the sidelines, just screaming at people. Like he looked like the like, like, you know the coach of that Magic. Team. Like he he fit perfectly with that look, with that uh, you know that kind of tenacity. I think Orlando needs that, uh, and I think having. Jonathan Isaac, who looks like a guy from Space Jam. Mo Bamba, who looks like a guy from Space Jam. Uh, even Aaron Gordon, who is this big, bulky monster of a dude. Um, I, I think that this can be uh, the makings of a, of a fresh start for Orlando. Uh, I don't think this, this is going to be a team that makes the NBA championship in the next three years. Maybe even not the next five years, but I think you'd possibly draft the next best big man in the league by taking Mo Bamba. So, congrats, Magic fan. I think, I think, I think your team... Made the right choice, and I think you should be walking away from this draft happy. Now, you, you screwed up not taking a point guard in the second round, but I'll give you one victory. I'll give you that. And also, looking at who was on the board, I don't think you screwed up. I mean, actually, I did. D'Anthony Melton would have been a nice fit on your team. Because that guy, that guy brings grit. That guy brings the toughness that I'm talking about. I should probably end the podcast. What I'm trying to say, though, Orlando, congratulations. You made a nice pick of taking Mo Bamba and signed D. Rose. I think it'd be a nice fit. But anyways, it's going to wrap up the podcast. Let me throw, not the podcast. This is going to end the segment. It's 1 a.m. I'm screwing up. Let me know what you think of the magic picking of Mo Bamba. Let me know what you think about it. Let me know if you think they were lucky in, in, in you know, getting Mo Bamba to fall down at six. Or you think they got screwed uh, by the first, with the first five picks uh, landed. How do you think Mo Bamba fits with this magic team? I think he fits pretty well. I think he, he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to be a part of the future. For Orlando Magic, I think this is a nice pick for Orlando. And Orlando, you should be happy. I can finally say congrats, Orlando Magic, and not mean it sarcastically. So congrats, Orlando Magic, on picking Mo Bamba. But let's move into the Bulls. We're talking about the Bulls here on the Fast Break Podcast. It's been a while since we did a Fast Break Podcast segment about the Bulls. We used to have an old Chicago podcast on this channel. They used to talk about the Bulls. And, uh, you know, I'm going to stop doing this voice because I know people on YouTube are going to fucking hate it. Um, but the Bulls, you know, take Wendell Carter Jr. at seven. And I know a lot of people, a ton of Bulls fans were in our live stream hating on this pick. Everyone wanted Bamba. Everyone wanted Mo, uh, Michael Porter Jr. And they take Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and I am here to tell you that it's going to be fine, Bulls fans. I'm out of Bulls fans. 
Ricky and Dave are the Bulls fans on this podcast. I talked to them. I counseled them. They like the pick. Uh, well, Ricky wanted to clarify. He doesn't hate Wendell Carter Jr. He wanted Mikhail Bridges. He understands the pick, though. Um, and with uh, Dave, Dave likes the pick. Thinks it's smart. Thinks it's a Swiss Army knife. Thinks he's going to fit into this offense. And he thinks he you know, helps off for what Markinen isn't good in. So they're going to be a nice one-two punch down low. Um, but looking at this Bulls pick, I'm here to tell you it's all right. I don't have a team, but I've been in Chicago for the past 20 years of my life. I haven't had a choice. I've had to live with the Bulls. It's been fine. You know, it was fun watching D-Rose for a little bit. Um, but knowing the Bulls, knowing guard packs, this is a guard packs pick. I mean, this is a guy that does a lot well. He's in the same vein as Taj Gibson and Joe Kim Noah. And Bulls fans love both of those guys. They absolutely loved him. Those guys do everything well. Taj did everything smart offensively for the Bulls back when he was the power forward. Joe, when healthy, was a defensive player of the year, was able to pass like one of the best big men in the league, and put up some decent numbers shooting the basketball. They know how to draft bigs. Let's not put it past them there. They took James Johnson. I know James Johnson really didn't work out for the Bulls here, but he panned out. He's still in the league. Let's look at Tyrus Thomas. That was a mistake. But who was the guy they originally drafted? Marcus Aldridge. So, I mean, they know how to pick bigs recently. So, I think you got to give credit. Even Markkinen. They scouted Markkinen, and they knew what they were doing. Wendell Carter Jr. is a smart player. I mean, this guy got accepted to Harvard. He was looking fresh. He was looking fly. The NBA draft. But this guy was accepted to Harvard. This kid is smart. He knows how to play basketball. He's a better shooter than Marvin Bagley was. I know people were enamored by Bagley shooting. He shot 39% as a big man from the outside. Wendell Carter shot 46% on, I think, a little a smaller amount of attempts, but it wasn't anything massive. I think it was probably a five or seven attempt difference between Carter and Bagley. And you look at Carter's shot from the outside from three, it's smooth. It's butter. So you're talking about two guys, two bigs in Markinen and Carter who could stretch the floor out. And again, Markinen was fantastic in his rookie year. We got to give him credit. I think he finished third in rookie of the year, and that's well worth it. You're up with Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, two of the best rookie years I've seen in a while, and he was third. He had a pretty damn good year in his own right. One of the best three-point shooting uh, years as a, as a rookie, and you know he was fantastic for them. I think he was great in the pick and roll. Loved him. He was great. And having Chris Dunn come back, and, and, and if he's healthy, because obviously he was on that nice run, then broke his face against the Warriors. If he's healthy, those two are going to be fun. And Levine, still a young player, still athletic. I know he wasn't great for the Bulls in the first year, but this is a kid coming off ACL, ACL injury. I think the Bulls need to be at least a little more patient with Zach Levine because this kid is as athletic as they come, and he's a fairly good three-point shooter. And I think you need to get him time to get acclimated to this team. But talking about Wendell Carter Jr., this is a guy that's going to be doing a lot for this team. Defensively, he's going to be a rim protector. 2.5 blocks per game at Duke. These aren't bums he's going up against. He's going up against ACC competition, and he was hiding all of the deficiencies that Marvin Bagley had. Marvin Bagley was not a good defender. Coach K, one of the guys that's guys been coaching since 1976 when you know, at Duke, my dad was born. Or sorry, my mom was born in 1976. So as long as my mom has been born, Coach K has been at Duke. And that guy has run a man-to-man defense since 1976. Until this year, because he had to change it up because of Marvin Bagley's defense. Now, Carter held, you know, they switched to his own because Carter was able to hide the deficiencies in Bagley's game. So that's going to be the same for marketing. Now, they might not be in a zone. They might not be in a, I think it was a 2-3 zone, uh, like, you know, Duke was last year. 
But he's going to go up against stronger, uh, stronger and quicker, uh, you know, bigs. And 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 Markin is going to take the the better you know fit for him. So I look at Wendell Carter Jr. Defensively, he's going to pair up with Markinen. And if Zach Levine's not in the future, then oh well, you're not going to have that guard, and you're going to lose that. And and you, if Chris Dunn's not in the future, oh well. But Markinen and Carter, those two guys are absolutely going to be in your future. Wendell Carter's a starter. He's going to be a starter like Joe was. He's going to be a starter like Taj was. Taj is still starting in the NBA. Joe got paid because of what he did, and Joe was injured when he got that contract. So. They know how to draft bigs in Chicago. And the other thing, and let's go on the guys that they didn't take, because I think this is the biggest thing for the Bulls fans and, and the biggest thing they need to tell two Bulls fans in the live stream. The Bulls got the book on Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. wanted to go to the Bulls. He did everything in his power to go to the Bulls. We saw him at Bulls games. We saw him giving medical access to the Bulls. The first team to give the to, to get access to Michael Porter Jr., was the Bulls. He was a Bulls fan growing up. He did all of his pro days in Chicago. That kid wanted to go to Chicago. He did everything in his damn right to go to Chicago. Everything in his willpower to go to Chicago. He did everything. Gave him all the medicals. Everything that he's, they, they ever needed. Everything that they wanted in a prospect. And they passed on him. And I think that's something that you have to at least look at and kind of be calmed by because, yes, his ceiling's high. His ceiling's massive. He can be the best pick in this draft at 14. But that floor is massively low. And let's look at this Bulls season. This team struggled. And that's to put it lightly. And then Nico came back and him and Bobby, Bobby Portis were unreal. Um, and they started winning more games and they screwed up their tank. But this is a team that were screwed by the tank, didn't tank hard enough, failed at tanking, got the seventh pick, and then had the choice of, Wendell Carter Jr., a guy that's going to help your team for the next 10 years, or they had the choice of Michael Porter Jr. And Porter Jr. has star potential, but he has the lowest floor in this draft now because of the red flags that appeared during this draft. The Bulls passed on him. The Cavs, who are looking for the next superstar to fill LeBron James's shoes. This guy has the highest, one of the highest ceilings in this draft. I'm not going to say the highest, but he has one of the highest ceilings in this draft, Michael Porter Jr. that is. The Cavs passed on him. Because of that medical flag. We look at the Knicks. The Knicks needed a three. It with Kevin Knox. Because of Kevin Knox's potential. And the potential that Michael Porter Jr. Got to, got to be injured. The 76ers. The team that is all about taking reclamation projects. Joel Embiid. Injured. Ja. Injured. Nerlens Noel. Injured. Ben Simmons. Injured. Markel Fultz. Injured. Michael Porter Jr. is injured. He's got star written on him. He's got the ceiling of a star. Philly passed on him. Let's look at the team that had two first-round picks in the Clippers. This is Jerry West, a guy that's built two dynasties with the Warriors and with the Lakers. Passed on him twice. That should give you a sigh of relief if you are a Bulls fan. And now the Nuggets, who are already a playoff team, who really don't need to add a star, who missed the playoffs by one game, had the chance and the liberty to take that risk in Michael Porter Jr., and even then, he might have fell even further to 16, to 15, if the Nuggets didn't pick him. I would not be upset on passing about Michael Porter Jr. Because Michael Porter Jr., we don't know what he's like. We haven't seen him play basketball since March. And when we saw him play basketball, he was at 75%, and he looked lost out there. This was not the same athlete we saw. 
This was not the same player we saw coming out of high school. This was not the deadly 6'11 shooter. This was a guy that looked lost on a college basketball floor. That's worrisome. Now, does he still have a high ceiling? Of course. But back injuries are nothing to screw around with. Nothing at all. No matter all the surgery that you can get, you can screw your back up just by sitting down. He could be sleeping one night and just throw out his disc. I mean, how many guys do you know that have gotten back surgery to fix, like, slip discs, to fix, you know, pinch nerves, all of that? And how many times have they felt great right after they get surgery and then just the normal daily tasks of life in five years, their back's hurting them again? Michael Porter Jr. has to play basketball for 82 games for the next 10 years. That is going to take a toll on his back. That's going to take a toll on his athleticism. That's going to take a toll on his ability to rise up and be a dynamic shooter. He's probably going to turn into a four because he's probably not going to be quick enough with his back to, to you know, be a star in this NBA. Let's look at what Larry Bird did after he got back started. Wasn't the same guy. I mean, and that's Larry Bird. Larry Legend. This guy was the greatest shooter we've seen. He wasn't the same after back injury. And yes, he's, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is much younger than Larry Bird was when he got back surgery. But recovering from back surgery is tough, whether you're 40 years old, whether you're 21 years old, or whether you're 18 years old or 19 years old, like Michael Porter Jr. is. It's going to be tough for you to come back. Wendell Carter Jr. doesn't have those negatives. You're getting a smart, well-rounded, and, you know, multifaceted big man that's going to pair around the big man that you already have. You have two building blocks right there for your team. And this is a Bulls team that can make possibly a big splash in free agency. Or, wait, this team still has their pick next year. This team needs a three. Let's look at the number one player in this draft, come, or, you know, next year's draft. R.J. Barrett, a 6'7 scorer at that three position. If the Bulls don't screw up their tank this time, and I, I think they might because I think this team can actually field a fairly decent team this year. If they don't, if they, if they don't screw up their tank... It could be in position to get R.J. Barrett. And now you're talking about Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, R.J. Barrett, Markinen, and Wendell Carter Jr. as your starting five. Be stupidly good and stupidly young. Be fantastic. And the Bulls finally have life again. They have uh, you know, a new energy to their team. And the UC is always popping, whether this team sucks or not. And you have a, t- a player in Wendell Carter Jr. that might not win fans over right away. But... Todd Gibson didn't win the fans right over away. People, it took him at 18, I think it was. It took him at 18 back when he was drafted. And people were like, why are you taking this guy out of USC? I remember when they took him and I was confused. Todd Gibson wasn't a guy that really wowed me. He came out and had his, still contributed and had a great career um, in the NBA and still contributing with the Bulls. I, I think that Wendell Carter's athletic ability, his ability to run on the floor, his ability to pass, is going to fit Hoy Ball. It's going to fit Fred Hoyberg's system. And honestly, if they show enough life, Fred Hoiberg might be your coach for the next couple of years. I know he's still on that five-year contract, but if the Bulls show enough next year, Hoiberg might get extended. And honestly, that might be good for the Bulls because Hoiberg has developed young talent fairly well so far. Markinen looked great. Chris Dunn looked like a different player. Um, Zach Levine, obviously, you know, he was injured, but Wendell Carter might be able to step in and even become a better player than he already was. Uh, Bobby Portis looked reinvigorated. Nico Miritich. Uh, look reinvigorated. Maybe that's because he was trying to get off the Chicago Bulls, but I'm going to give some credit to Fred and what he did. So if I'm a Bulls fan, I'm looking at the future of a young coach that knows NBA and is on the right side and in and, and forward thinking. I'm looking at a point guard and Chris Dunn, who is lengthy, can be an all 
you know, team defensive player. I'm looking at Zach Levine, who could be a 20-point scorer and be a decent three-point shooter. I'm looking at Laurie Markin, who had one of the best three-point shooting performances for a rookie at a seven-footer. And I'm looking at Wendell Carter Jr., who can be a five or a four, who's well-rounded, who's going to be able to switch, be a multi-asseted player, and be a guy that, yeah, he might not put up 20 and 10 ever in his career, but he might be a guy that puts up, you know, maybe 16 points per game, 11 boards, and then five assists, and even throws in a block and a block and a half a game, and even steals a couple balls. This is going to be a well-rounded guy that's going to do everything. He's going to do that dirty work. He's going to do everything in the trenches. He's a guy that can be the anchor in the middle of this team for the Chicago Bulls, just like Joe was, just like Taj was. This was the right pick if you were the Chicago Bulls. I got to talk about the 22nd pick. Uh, let me know, obviously, your thoughts about Wendell Carter Jr. If you feel like you missed out on, Mob- uh, on MPJ, I think you're wrong because I think this was the right choice for the Bulls. If you feel like you missed out on Mobamba, think about it this way. This Bulls team might not be good. And for the Mavericks to move up, to, for the Hawks to make that 3-5 switch, to get Mobamba, you'd probably have to make that same switch with Orlando and give up next year's pick for you know and protect it and everything. Um, but still, if you got Mobamba, that might push you outside and you might lose your first-round pick next year. Um, so I, I think it wasn't worth it. I think Wendell Carter Jr., he might not have that ceiling that Mobamba has, but also he's already built out. He doesn't have to get into an NBA training program. He doesn't need to start lifting weights. Wendell Carter's filled out. He's got an NBA body, and he's going to be an NBA pro. The kid's smart, all right? So if you're still worried about the Wendell Carter pick and you want a Mobamba, I can't change your mind. But if you wanted Michael Porter Jr., hopefully I won you over because I think Wendell Carter Jr. was the right pick for the Chicago Bulls. Now, I'll talk about 22. Um, they got Chandler Hutchinson. 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 Um, 22. Small forward out of Boise State. Um, some people listen to my shooting guard. He's small forward. Kid's 6'7". He's really lanky. Um, he's an offensive slasher. He's a guy that has a developing shot. He's a scorer. I'm not a fan of him. I don't think he's going to bring a lot of defense to this team. But then again, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markin, and Chris Dunn. All three can be fairly defensive. Well, not maybe marking him, but Wendell Carter Jr. at least, uh, you know, Chris Dunn can be an interesting, uh, you know, it, it can be two guys that are really good defensively. Um, but Hutchison, I think he's going to be a bench scorer. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I don't think he's your future three. He could be a guy that, you know, contributes good minutes off the bench, and some people are compu- comparing him to Rudy Gay. I don't think he's going to be Rudy Gay's peak. He might be, you know, kind of budget Rudy Gay from last year, but Rudy Gay coming off the Spurs bench. Um, but I, I don't see a ton in this game. Maybe he becomes well-rounded. Maybe he's able to you know take that length and that athleticism and become a plus defender. Um, but I think he's going to do well running the floor in Hoiberg's system. I think attacking on you know the fast break is definitely going to be um, something that he excels in. Um, and I think, you know especially attacking from the wing, coming in transition, that's going to be where Hutchinson really makes his work. And pairing him with Zach Levine, you're going to get an athletic duo right there. So, uh, and even an athletic trio if you throw in Chris Dunn. So, Hutchison wasn't a massive fan of the pick, not a massive fan of the player. Um, but with looking who was on the board, maybe you took a shot at Zanin Musa, um, who went 29. Maybe you took a shot at Okubo, who went 31 in the second round. Um, but, you know, with the players that were on the board, they didn't need Aaron Holiday. They don't need a backup point guard. Um, well, they could have taken a backup point guard, but I don't think it was a pressing need like three was. Um, Anthony Simmons going to be a project. Don't think he was really necessary. 
Wagner, you already have the four and five lockdown. Schmidt, he's a point guard, but he's more of a scorer. That would be a nice one-two punch with uh, good old Chris Dunn and, and especially Schmidt's three-point shooting ability. But Hutchison, again, fills that three need. Uh, Jacob Evans would have been interesting, three and D, but uh, you know I, I think the Bulls can probably address that throughout the uh, throughout the free agency process because they have money to spend. Um, and then and then Robert Williams again, they didn't need a power forward or five. Musa would probably be the only guy I looked at. I also threw out Melvin Frazier there because of a three and D um, because he's going to be able to shoot from the outside. Um, same with Jacob Evans, he's going to be able to shoot from the outside, and they both bring plus defense. But if you know Garpax thinks that. He's going to do well, Hutchison, in Hoiberg's offense in transition. I can't blame the pick. So let me know what you think about the Hutchison pick as well. Maybe defend, you know, he develops into a shooter too, and maybe he can be a Swiss Army knife um, offensively for you, which would be positive, especially at that three position. If you know Zach Levine isn't able to turn into that. If Levine's gone, um, then you're going to have to address the defense in 3 and D spot at the two, which you can do in, you know, throughout the season. But if you're not believing in Levine, and you also have now Rolo who can be traded, so... Um, you have options now with the Bulls. And I think that's one thing that the Bulls did at least for themselves is they gave themselves options. Um, and I think the Bulls had a B draft. And I don't think it was an A um, because I think the they got kind of screwed by the, the draft. I think, you know, if Mo Bamba fell to him, that would have been the best pick for him. But Mo Bamba wasn't on the board. And with Hutchison, there was players I liked better. Um, again, do I think I, the pick was stupid of going Hutchison? No, you needed a three. He was one of the better threes on the board. Um I think there were better players I liked out there, Musa and uh, Frazier and Evans being three of them. But again, I can't blame going for a guy that you like because if Garpax has done something right over the you know the however long they've been in power, forever long I've been watching the Bulls and following the Bulls, they've drafted fairly well. Now, I'll give Garpax credit to that. They don't know how to make the best free agent signings and really you know addressing team needs, but they do at least know how to draft well. They got Jimmy Butler. They got D Rose. They got Noah, they got Taj Gibson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They've hit before. Hutchison, we'll see how he does. I'm not going to bash the kid because I haven't seen him play in the NBA yet. So that's where it matters. This is the NBA draft. So let me know what you think, Bulls fans. I know there's a ton of you out there that will be watching this podcast. Let me know what you think of the Bulls draft. Are you upset about them passing at MPJ? Are you upset about them passing uh, or not trading up and getting Mo Bamba? I know that's pretty much the large majority of what I've heard uh, from Bulls fans, or even then, if you thought they should have addressed the three earlier with Miles Bridges or Mikhail Bridges, some guys I haven't mentioned, let me know. But ultimately, I think Wendell Carter was the right pick, and I think Chandler Hutchinson at least makes sense on the baseline level. If you like the guy, take him, and I think that's what the Bulls did with both of these picks. So I think the Bulls had a B draft. I think they had a really good draft. Let me know what you think of the Bulls draft down in the comments below. But let's move into the final segment you know, I love doing this podcast. It's it's, a, it's it's so much fun. But after doing a four-hour live stream, I know I've mentioned it so many times, uh, and, and, and doing this podcast, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> so let's wrap this up. And the final topic we have is why Michael Porter Jr. is the biggest steal in this draft. Now, some people might say steal and think that I mean he's going to be good. Um, I have no idea if this kid's going to be good. I haven't seen him play basketball since March. I haven't seen him go up. You know, last game I saw was him going up against Florida State, and he didn't look good. He didn't show much. He looked hurt. And I'm very concerned and very intrigued to see what he's done since March to June and how much he's recovered. And we haven't seen him play. We've seen medicals be passed out, and teams, based on those medicals, based on what they saw, said nope 13 times. 
The Clippers had two picks, said nope on him twice. The Bulls, who was his preferred destination, said no with him on the board. That would have been the first place I thought he was going to go to. Said no with him on the board. There was so much talk leading up to the draft. Kings are thinking about taking Michael Porter Jr. at two. Then the Hawks are thinking about taking him at three. Well, why is it today that he comes out and says, you know, Woj and uh, Javini, Javani, whatever his name is, uh, Jonathan Gavani um, on uh, Draft Express, who's now on ESPN, come out and say 10 or 12 is now Michael Porter Jr.'s range. What happens there? What happened was Sacramento and Atlanta were really questioning the you know, at least the medicals that they received, and they were trying to kick the interest and see what people thought on Michael Porter Jr. And if they didn't like what they saw on the medicals, but some other team did, and they were able to at least move down, get a guy like Trey Young or Marvin Bagley if they thought they were going to be available, and they knew that Michael Porter Jr. was going to be at two, they would have gotten more assets, made a team pick Michael Porter Jr., and then get more assets. That's what I think those reports are trying to say. Those were smoke screens sent out by those front offices to try to you know swindle a team into taking Michael Porter Jr. and they got the guy that they wanted at least a little bit lower, either the Kings or the Hawks, and got future assets to do so. However, we clearly saw that none of those teams wanted to go up and take that risk. None of those teams wanted to try Michael Porter Jr. He almost fell out of the lottery. This was the number one player in high school last year, and he almost fell out of the lottery. And the only reason he didn't, the only reason he didn't, was because of the Denver Nuggets having the ability to take a risk. And that's the thing with the, the Nuggets, is they have the ability to say, Porter, you're benched. You're not playing this season. You are just going to sit. You're going to relax. You're going to recover. You're going to work. You're going to build up your strength. You're going to become a better player. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be quicker. You're going to be better. You're going to be faster. And you're going to help us next year. Because this team, the Nuggets team, they're already a playoff team. They already have a veteran. They already have Wilson Chandler playing the three. They don't need him right now. Because you throw out Michael Porter Jr., he's not healthy. He gets injured. Boom. You just lost your first-round pick. So... And and you lost him because you wanted to see how he's going to do. No, make sure how you know, make sure he can recover. Now, if he's able to recover, he's able to come back to the player that we think he can be. Then the Nuggets got the biggest steal, not possibly in the NBA draft this year, possibly the biggest steal that a team has gotten in the past ten years, and possibly maybe if he hits his max ceiling of what people think of Kevin Durant, possibly the biggest steal of all time. Because you know, people look at Jordan being the biggest steal of all time. He went third. Like, it's not a steal. It's just people doing bad scouting. People think of, you know, again, Kevin Durant being a steal at two. No, the Portland Trailblazers fucked up twice. took Bowie and uh, Greg Oden. And again, they missed out on two superstars. A steal is like Giannis Antetokounmpo. A steal is Kawhi Leonard. But Michael Porter Jr., if he hits that Kevin Durant level, that is the biggest steal in NBA history if it happens. Now, there's going to be a lot. For him to take his injury and turn it into production, but he's also on a fantastic team. Because let's think about what Michael Porter Jr. needs. He needs space. He needs the ability to rise up and be what I think is going to be a stretch four in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be a three in the NBA. I don't think he's quick enough, um, especially based on what we saw in March. Um, If that's who Michael Porter Jr. is at 75%, I don't think 100% is that much quicker. Um... So I don't think he's a three in the NBA. Now, him, 6'11", if he's got that speed, then 6'11", three that has that quickness, it's unstoppable. But I think he's a guy that's going to play the four because of his speed. But he has Nikola Jokic, who Denver seems very, very persistent in making sure that he is locked up long-term for Denver. Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, 
um, Paul Millsap for the next couple of years. And they have a lot of young players that are pretty interesting on their team. Uh, I think you know Hernan Gomez is one of them. I, I think this Denver team is very well run as well. So with Porter, the thing that I think he needs is space. And Jamal Murray is one of the best shooters in, in, in the game right now. He's very young and upcoming, but next three years, we're going to be talking about him as being one of the best shooters in the NBA behind Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, etc. Um, but he's got the makings of a guy that's going to dominate the league with his scoring abilities. He's going to provide space. He's going to provide athleticism. He's going to provide the ability to drive in and attack. Nikola Jokic, who's one of the best passing bigs in a while. I mean, this kid has highlight real passing. Like He's got Luka Doncic passes at 6'11". Um, He's a guy that's going to be able to find Porter. He has guys who can create for him. And I think one thing that's going to really be tough for Porter Jr., at least to start in his career, will be creating for himself because he's going to be worrisome about that back. He's going to be worrisome about dribbling in and then coming up for a pull-up and, and stopping on a dime and making sure he's able to take all that motion, fluidly go up and make sure he's going up with the right form and being able to rise over defenders. Now, he's going to be able to rise over defenders because of his height, but will he be able to do it quick enough where he's able to at least get over the defender's hands? Now, I don't think he'll be able to do that in his first year in the NBA, but if he's able to get playmakers like Jokic, like Jamal Murray, and even Gary Harris, who is a great shooter in his own right, who's set up by these great playmakers, Gary Harris can pass the ball out, kick it out, wide open, Michael Porter Jr., we've seen that he's a great scorer. And even then, if he has a full head of steam driving to the rim, that guy can throw it down. So in the half court, he's going to be a guy that is going to need playmakers. Now, if he's, you know, if we're talking about him in transition, offensively, he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to be hard to stop because of his length, because of his, his speed. Again, this is if he's healthy um, and his ability to really attack the rim. Now, that's a lot of ifs, and all those ifs are based on health. And the reason he fell was clear. The Bulls were the one team that was able to at least get the first chance to really diagnose him, really have team the doctors look at him, get his medical information, get his records. And they said no. This is a kid that clearly wanted to go to Chicago. And they said no. They passed upon him. And Michael Porter Jr. looked pissed, and rightfully so, because I think his agent screwed him over by saying you should go into this draft because if Porter Jr. had the ability to come in next year, take the first couple games off, and then go into Missouri and ball out as a sophomore, people would have taken him no doubt because we knew what he was. He was just injured. Now, if he's able to come back, go to Missouri, beat up on some college kids, I think this isn't a Miles Bridges situation where he falls out of the top 10. This is a you know situation where he jumps up into the top 10, especially with this draft class next year because you know R.J. Barrett's something special, uh, I think, but you know Zion, who's, I think, third in high school, I'm not so on that kid being an NBA pro. He's 6'7". I don't think he's quick enough to be a scorer in the NBA. Maybe he turns into like a Draymond, but I think very limited offensively. I don't want to get into the next draft class because we're still talking about the one that just happened. But the point is, is I think Michael Porter Jr. probably would have been best suited if he stayed back. But now Denver's getting the opportunity to take that risk because they're a playoff team. They don't really need that pick. Their pick, their idea in this draft, or at least the idea that people thought they were going to do, is take that Kenneth Free contract, take that pick, pair them together so they have more contract and more money to give to Nikola Jokic. They didn't do that. They went and got Porter Jr., who can be a star in the NBA. Now, it's a long, massive gap. Porter Jr. might have the lowest floor in this draft because we don't know if he's healthy. We don't know what his health is like. And I don't even know if Denver's really at least sold on him being healthy. They just might be sold on that ceiling. And we look at the players that went after Michael Porter Jr., Troy Brown, 6'7", he's going to need time. He's going to need time to develop um, and become uh, a great player. Zaire Smith, he's going to need time. He's going to need the possessions 
and the time to grow as a player. DiVincenzo, he's a fun story, but I don't think he's a star. I think he'd be a starter, but he's not a star. Lonnie Walker has the ability to be a star, but maybe he's just going to be an offensive threat. Let's look at Kevin Herter. Do you think he's a pro? I'm not sold on him being a pro. I didn't have him in my first five mocks for a reason. I don't think he's that good. He's 6'7", and people are calling him Clay Thompson late. Clay Thompson's quick. Clay Thompson's athletic. Clay Thompson is a dynamic scorer. Herter's fine. I don't think he's great. I'm not sold on him being a pro. Okogie, I liked. But Okogie, I don't think has that star potential because I think Okogie's max is a Jimmy Butler-like guard. Now, Michael Porter Jr.'s max is Kevin Durant. And that's like that's a guy who's now putting himself in best player right now in the NBA discussion. He's a guy that's second best player for sure in the NBA behind LeBron James. He's a guy that might go down as one of the best scorers of all time. That's pretty good company to be in if you're, you know, Michael Porter Jr. If you're a Kogi and you hit, you know, Jimmy Butler, that's a nice pick there from Minnesota. He's a guy that's an all-star. Congrats to Kogi. But all-star is different than all-time great. Um, looking at Anthony Simmons, another project. I don't think he really fits a need either on this Denver team. Chandler Hutchison, I don't think he fits a need. I, I think, you know, you, you get a three there, um, and that's, I think, a position that you need. But, again, I think, you know, Denver, they can find free agents. They can kind I think they can attract and, and pr- bring people in. Because with Jokic, with Jamal Murray, with Paul Millsap, they have a nice building, and you know, a nice team building up and brewing, especially with Gary Harris, too. I think they can possibly go out and get a player through free agency to fill that three. But, you know, Hutchison, Hutchison, I think, is, is a bench scorer at best in the NBA. So the only guy with, you know, star potential from 14 down, like superstar potential, is Michael Porter Jr. And the Nuggets are going to be a playoff team this year with or without Michael Porter Jr. So my thing, it, it boils down to this could be the biggest steal in NBA history because this kid has no pressure on him now. Because he was the 14th pick. He wasn't number two and now reliant and having the back and shoulder uh, of Sacramento's worries and no NBA rings on his shoulders as a number two pick to produce. No, he has the nuggets on his back where Jamal Murray is probably ahead of him when it comes to you know guys who are being looked down to produce. Nikola Jokic is about to get paid. He's going to be looked at at a guy that needs to step up and be big. Denver needs... You know, uh, a, a star, and, you know, Murray can be a star. Jokic can be a star, but Porter Jr. is a name already. Murray is a nice player who I think is going to be maybe an all-star at his best. Jokic, definitely going to be an all-star at his best. But superstar, Michael Porter Jr. has that in him. So it boils down to, you know, again, Porter Jr. doesn't have the pressure because, again, they have stars on their team. I think they have two all-stars on their team already, and Jamal Murray and, and, and Jokic. So you don't have that load of having Denver's worrisome and troubles on them. Um, and I think that he has time because this is a playoff team. They don't really need him to contribute right away. It'd be nice if he did, but they still have Wilson Chandler this year. And, you know, once Chandler's contract is done, if they don't want to resign him, they just slide in Michael Porter Jr. And maybe he doesn't start right away, even for Denver, after sitting out a whole year. Maybe they bring him in off the bench and see how he does against second teamers. And then they work him into the starting lineup. But this Denver team has found talent consistently. This Dallas, or this Denver team. This, I think I said Dallas, my bad. This Denver team has consistently found talent. And, and this you know Denver team is on the right track to building a, a future powerhouse in the Western Conference. And this is a team that's young. Gary Harris, young player. Jamal Murray, young player. Jokic, young player. I look at Porter Jr. He's just going to add to that youth. And 
He's, again, not a guy that's going to have a ton of pressure on him. He's going to be hidden in Denver. No offense, Denver. I mean, you're not a massive market like L.A. or New York or Chicago. You're a decently sized market, but, you know, there's massive differences between New York, Chicago, or L.A. or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm at least looking at the, you know, the teams that were going to pick him. Chicago at seven. Cleveland at eight, especially if LeBron stays. That's the biggest NBA market if LeBron does stay because LeBron is the guy that draws the most media attention. Knicks, again, massive media market. Um, Philly as well. I mean, Philly drew a ton of attention. So I, I look at, you know, Denver as being the right spot for Michael Porter Jr. to have the most success. So found the Nuggets, and I'm a Nuggets fan. I'm really pumped that Michael Porter Jr. landed to me, and I think Michael Porter Jr. can be the steal of a century. Um, he could be. I'm not saying he will be, but he could be the steal of a century with the, you know, kind of landing spot he did. He doesn't have a ton of pressure on him. He's going to be on a team that's going to be good. He doesn't need to be a number one option right away, but he has that potential to be a number one option right away. And he has the time to get healthy before he steps into an NBA game. So again, Michael Porter Jr. with his back injuries, with his you know worries at, at, at his position, I think that's the best spot for him. I, I'm honestly probably glad too that if I'm a team, 13 teams that passed on him, kind of glad I passed on him too because I think it's big warning signs if Chicago passed on him seven. The Clippers passed him, you know, twice at 11 and 12. Well, I guess it was, yeah, 11 and 13 now with the trade. But with their ability to take him twice and they pass him, I think that's a big warning sign. So especially with those two teams in Sacramento and Atlanta trying to trade, you know, try to trade and try to get teams to take up and get them. Um, I think, again, I'd be glad as a 13, uh, you know, those 13 uh, teams ahead of them that pass on him. But Denver... I think you should be throwing a party in the streets because you're a playoff team with or without Michael Porter Jr. And if he's healthy and a star and you know he's able to at least you know contribute to your team, even at worst as a 6'11", you know, stretch four, uh, coming off your bench in playoff runs, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something that's gonna help you in playoff games. So um, Denver has the ability to have the steal of the century in Michael Porter Jr. There's no other way around it. Those are my thoughts about the Denver Nuggets picking Michael Porter Jr. at 14. Those are my thoughts. On the 2018 NBA draft. If you have any questions, hit me up, Most Valuable Pod on Twitter. We'll have Ricky, we'll have Dave. We'll probably have more thoughts about the 2018 NBA draft as the season unfolds. We are now in the offseason. I know the NBA draft technically is the offseason, but now I can finally relax. We'll be doing our rankings. We'll be doing free agency. That's probably the last hectic time, but you know, after free agency is done, you can finally take a deep breath and relax. We hope you've enjoyed. Our NBA draft coverage. This camera might die on me in any second, so if I go away, that's why. But you guys have had us, you know, have, have had helped us have two of our best months in the past two months. I mean, the past two months, June of this year um, and May of this year, have been our best two months. And I got to thank you guys for that. I mean, if it wasn't for you, well, you know, all of our patrons, all of the people that watch our videos, we had 30K views on that Mock Draft 6.0. I know you guys shit on us for all those trades, but we had fun with it. We had such a blast. And that was 30K in three days. You guys really helped us explode. Um, you know, we're at 12,000. We're still growing. We appreciate all of your support for everyone who showed up in the live stream. I, I got to throw out a name. Uh, hold on. I got time, too. So all you people on Blockstack Radio, I'm sorry. I got to throw out a name, though, because uh, he, he kept telling me to shout him out. Oh, man, what's his name? Oh, man, 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 man. Uh, there's a guy in uh, the live stream that told me he wanted to shout out his name uh, because he called the MPJ uh, pick. Oh, my God, dude. That was so long. Uh, no, it wasn't. Oh, my God, what's his name? Uh, I think you know who I'm talking about, whoever you are. I'm so sorry. Today has been the longest day of my life. I've recorded four hours of podcasts. So 
This is probably the worst ending ever. But shout out to you, dude. I am so sorry I forgot your name because I can't pull up the, the the live stream. You know what? Actually, might be able to do it. I'm still gonna do this. I'm still. I know this is horrible. Um, I like the Michael Jordan Porter Jr. Uh, Cartel, Cartel Clark. Shout out to you, my dude. That's gonna do it for the NBA post draft podcast. Shout out to everybody uh, who's helped us uh, over the past two months. I'm gonna end this train wreck of a podcast. I can't wait for Ricky and Dave to come back. Shout out to my dude Cartel Clark um, for calling the MPJ pick. If you want to help support us on Patreon, uh, please do Patreon.com/slash/MostValuablePodcast. Don't forget to check out MostValuablePodcast.com and our store and the T-shirts. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MostValuablePod. Don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes as well. Check out the fast break of, uh, on blogtalkradio.com. I'm going to end this train wreck. I'm Sean Anderson. I'll see you next time. Hopefully. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.